Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast, Ball Knowers Edition, late night, Sunday night. Uh, I got the crew that I could wrangle to do a Super Bowl Sunday pod. This is Solly, of course. DJ Pie here. Uh, tricked him into doing the show before he knew it was Super Bowl Sunday. Hello, Pie Man. How are you? Hey, guys. Great, great, great day to be a golf fan. Tough day to be a ball knower. Can't wait to get into it all with you guys. Neil is here as well. Hello, Mr. Icarito. How are you? Good evening to you both. A total throwback episode for us. Doing it late at night, you know, just like it was before the kids, before just before a lot of stuff, Solly. But a great day to be a sports fan. I mean, wall-to-wall coverage today. I'm, I'm fired up to get into it. Normally, uh, you know, the, the corrupt golf media types are, uh, are are rooting against a Monday playoff. Um, just, you know, you don't want the week to extend, whatever. This was one I was like, let's let it go to Monday. We can do the show Monday. Uh, we'll feel a lot better. We might be a little punch drunk uh, in tonight's show. It's it's after 11 p.m., which is quite late uh, for us old old hags now. But uh, this year, we're going to be celebrating Moments of Joy, brought to you by a partner who has contributed to joyful moments in golf for over 100 years. That's Foot Joy. We'll be uh, discussing some of our favorite moments in the game uh, everywhere, and all levels that you know create emotion that only a true golfer would understand joy but also you know euphoria satisfaction all those kinds of things we're gonna do a regular segment i'm teasing this now we're gonna do it later but uh, we're gonna do this a regular segment where we're gonna dive into moments that occurred somewhere somewhere in the golf world including our experiences that uh had us feeling the joy uh we're gonna go for more joy this year as you know some of the topics around golf have not been the most fun to discuss so we're going to try to hit these before we get into the not fun topics. That's my goal with this segment. So shout out to our friends uh, at FootJoy. Guys, how does waste management keep doing it? It's like every single year this tournament is really, really, really exciting. We're going to talk about some of the ways that may have jumped the shark, but I'll, I'll start it with that. How does this tournament keep creating really exciting moments and really exciting finishes? Everybody wants to dunk on the TPCs, man. Everybody <laughs> wants to dunk on stadium golf. Uh, but you know what? It turns out you create these risk-reward crazy golf holes, and they're pretty freaking fun to watch uh, every single year at this tournament. Even, you know, a lot of the – a big calling card, I feel like, of Phoenix has been firm and fast conditions, right, especially on 17. Like, it, it's, it gets really spicy out there. You got to watch guys controlling runouts and trying to hold fairways and all this stuff. But – even when it gets soft, it, it was fun out there this week. So uh, different challenge. Watching guys try to control spin on, on a lot of these greens is really fun. Uh, but it just it always spits out a, a fun leaderboard, compelling shots down the stretch. It's not one of those places, you know, Sally, you talked about it. I think it was the uh, gosh, was it Harbortown the covid year? Uh, when it was just like, okay, nobody's going to make a bogey for like a day and a half. Just nobody is going to make a bogey. Uh, I hate when golf tournaments get like that. And uh, this one kind of feels like the opposite. It's just, it's great, man. Kill or be killed out there. Do or die on a lot of different shots. Well, how green it is always throws me off when they start sure. talking about how firm it is. And right. I'm like, wait, that doesn't add up, but it is firm. At least not normally it is not this week. Uh, right. Tough, you know, some tough luck with the weather this year, but I would say, even if it's jumped a shark, the crowds help a ton. Uh, I, I don't feel that quite the same way about Amex, which you could argue is similar golf, stadium course, that type of vibe. But I don't know, man. Scottsdale just 
they like to turn up. And I think the weekend being with the Super Bowl, I, I think it's the perfect match. Um, I, I mean, there must be some marketing agency head that's just just gutted when Charlie Hoffman didn't win. When they matched up the perfect sponsor with the perfect venue, with the perfect town, with the winner, you know, the longest running probably logo on anyone's shirt in the game of golf, and he just couldn't pull it out. Um, but it just got, you know, the Scottsdale, the whole vibe almost feels a little bit like WWE. Like, is this really <laughs> happening? Like, are, are Charlie, 47-year-old Charlie Hoffman with a back brace really going to go? Oh, my and, God, and, that's Charlie Hoffman's music. Are, are you serious, man? I mean, the guy is such a unique character. Like, I was, I was loving every minute of it, but I was like, this can't be real. This feels like, you know, The Undertaker coming out of the coffin a little bit. Well, what are we doing here? It's kind of really like well, when you're creating fraud of some kind, you know, like they, you, they say when uh, when we back in the auditing days, you would always search for journal entries with round numbers or nine, nine, nine in them, because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's how you, you would do it with fraud. It's kind of like they got towards the end, like, ah, guys, this is a little too suspicious if he would win this thing. I mean, hasn't won tournament in six years, has one other top 10 in this tournament. He's 47 years old. I mean, I mean, come on, this is a little too on the nose. Uh for this one but um and so nick taylor came out and said not on my watch all right we're yeah. not doing that okay there's no no pre-made storylines here hit him with a big ass folding chair there at the end in, in the playoff i i think neil what's funny about that is there is something unique about this tournament because i'm just trying to think of, you know think about like the jb holmes at riviera years or or you know really jb holmes kind of anywhere but uh there's a lot of other tournaments where if if this exact thing happened it would have been like scotty sahith you know, others coming down the stretch and here comes Charlie Hoffman and just been like, Oh, come, come on, on, man. That's not what we're doing. And this was, I was, I was in, I was weirdly yeah. captivated. And I, I think it, it is the environment and the venue and the, the tournament. Like you said, I, I, I feel like he's just, that just felt that whole playoff just felt like deeply, deeply Scottsdale to me. You got Charlie just awful fit, uh, you know, <laughs> flat build hat, the whole the whole situation like just kind of like really seems like he embraces kind of that like you know southern california moved to move to phoenix later in life vibe uh and then you've got the snowbird canadians i mean those are like the two things i yes that's one a and one in, b in the in scottsdale phoenix. lineup it's exactly right, right. and watch him <laughs> go toe to toe it was just it was thrilling man uh, if you didn't happen to catch the golf, which listen, it, it did bleed a little bit into uh, the big game uh, this evening, so I don't quite blame you. You missed out. I, I would say you definitely missed out if you did not uh, have two-screen opportunity here. But uh, going into the back nine, summing up a, a complicated and long week, but Hoffman bogeyed the 12th hole, and I, I believe the data golf guys tweeted that his, his win probability went down to 8% uh, after he bogeyed the, the 12th hole, but eagled the 13th hole, birdied on 14. Birdie on what 15. A shot in the 13. Yeah. That was such a good golf shot. And then he drove it. So he, he busts out to this kind of big lead. He's got a three-shot lead now playing the 17th. But three-shot lead at this course, as we've seen over the years, is is not it's probably not enough because 15 is obviously a reachable par 5. 16 is a, a wedge or a 9-iron, and you can stuff and make birdie. And 17, you could make it, you could make it two. You can make it three pretty easily. And 18 has turned into a driver flip wedge somehow, despite many iterations of that golf hole uh, over the years. So... Drove it in that death bunker in 17, and uh, just pausing for a second here to say this was a one a, a bright spot for NBC in setting the whole scene uh, for that golf shot, having Kevin Kisner there to be able to describe all the elements of that shot. And it was, it was made especially 
uh, interesting because of the back pin used on this final day. And again, kind of one of those, I don't know how you could possibly argue that angles don't matter in golf because uh, everything about that shot was down to the angle, down to where he left it on the green was like, can he even putt to this pin because of how uh, you know jammed in the back of that green is. But he hits it on the green. Turns out the putt was a little easier than they made it sound. Uh, and he lagged it up there to a foot uh, from, from long range, made the par. I and would say fantastic putt, though. It was like, a really good putt. Considering the moment and everything, it, it looked... Until he hit the putt and how close it got, it looked like a very, very hard putt. So I'm going to give the broadcast a pass there. And Neil, he hit the he hit the three big things: pace, 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 you know? pace, pace. Deej, not much about. can go wrong with pace. How, how often are you three putting when you got bad pace? That's, you know, it just doesn't that's, happen. God, that's well said. 47 year old Charlie Hoffman then stepped up on 18 and bombed a 339 yard drive at 180 miles an hour, flipped a lob wedge into uh, into the par four before he put the back brace on to uh, <laughs> to continuous warm up for the for the playoff. <laughs> Uh, left his birdie putt short, but gets in at 21 under par. Nick Taylor is on his heels. Uh, he birdies a 15th hole, stuffs it to 5 feet 8 inches on 16 and makes it. It's kind of a shaky drive and chip down to the right uh, on, on, the, on the 17th hole and makes par. That was kind of looked like the hole he needed to make birdie to get into the playoff. Drives it way right, bails on 18T, but it kicks out of the bunker uh, and into the rough. Hits it 9.5 feet above the hole. It's a putt that didn't look like it was going in, but fell in the Scary right side putt, of the hole. Man. Yeah, he gave that, up on it. We all green, gave up on it. You can see balls like just how they they hit to the top of that slope and they just whip down that that hill like. Being out there like that is it? That's a scary putt straight down that hill. It's to, not to scary when you got a two shot cushion on on third place though. Like he could have three putted it or two putted it, it would have <laughs> been the I same. Suppose. Like you got to. Well, it's anyways, not. It's not a. Putt. It's not a normal nine footer. It's not like it's up the hill right to left. Correct. You know, it's, it's a different putt. Um, drains it. Um, then they go to a playoff. Uh, they both pipe drives. Uh, uh, Taylor's got a fifteen foot birdie putt up the hill. Hoffman stuffed it to seven feet. Taylor, with one of the more aggressive walk-ins I can ever recall seeing, especially in a big moment, especially in a playoff, solid foot out. He got squared. Especially for a Canadian. I know. I mean, swagging out. Unfortunately, he's wearing those shoes four days in a row. Other than that, maybe one of the swaggiest walk-ins I've ever seen. He got squared to the hole. You must have owned those shoes at some point. I thought you were okay. I thought we were going to go more towards how much I, my aficionado for or, or my affection for uh, for walk-ins, but sure, I probably had if they're bad shoes, I probably had them at some point. They but just they they're straight out of the. I think they're Adidas, like two thousand six. Yeah, I feel like they're like an Ode to Pele. It's like nineteen seventy <laughs> soccer shoes. It's just no. Bad, I, just, I remember when DJ was wearing those a bunch in like two thousand twelve, like thirteen. But he just he wears them every day. I don't get it. They they're they're not good. And Only black bad shoes. Thing he did don't, like let's let him have his moment. All right, this was a very white guy. Well, only, only anyway, bad thing he did. Sorry, so we'll continue with the highlights, please. We're interrupting sick, your fastest three minutes. Sick walk what? in uh, what? for the birdie, and uh, Charlie Hoffman ekes in his seven footer. They go back to do it again. Hoffman drives it in the church pews. Uh, Taylor once again gets a ball to bounce out of that right bunker uh, on the right side of that fairway. Maybe you need to make that bunker deeper or something. I mean, that sh- this probably should not happen twice, but. Uh, hits at 11 and a half feet left of the pin. Hoffman hits a good shot onto the green, uh, two putts it, and then Taylor drains a putt right in the center, pimps it, does the little putter slam throw. I mean, the dude has mastered the art of the celebration between his eagle putt at the Canadian Open last year, the walk-in here, and that flip. Birdied on 15, 16, 18, 18, and 18. His last six holes that he played, that's five birdies uh, to win the championship by one. It was or it went in a playoff, and it was just spectacular. I want to just say... Full stop, gritty, awesome, impressive performance from Nick Taylor because he started the, the round off looking really, really shaky for 
definitely the first two holes, probably the first like six or seven holes. It just didn't look like that. The whole last group looked way out of sync. You got Sahith going all over the map. He he couldn't really get it together. Um, and Nick Taylor just kind of found it when he made the turn. And that what a finish, man. That's awesome. He lost was- two strokes off the tee in round four and shot six under par and one. I mean, that's that's he was second in the field and putting on on Sunday, as you might imagine. I would give him a shout out on like on this year podcast for laying up on 15. He's getting second guest on the broadcast coming down the stretch, but he he laid up to a, a perfect wedge number and he, you know, basically stuffed it to like four feet. He's like, I got a better chance of hitting it close to my wedge than I do. I don't know where this three wood's gonna go. And I mean, he just stayed patient, but it was like patient but aggressive. I thought he played he just played so solid on those last five holes of regulation and then also in the playoff. I was really taken by, I don't know if you guys listened to his uh, brief interview afterwards before switching to the big game, but he uh, he got really specific on like the, I believe it was the last putt that he made. He's like, oh, no, I, like, I had that putt. I was in contention last year. I had the same putt. I remembered the read. And he was just talking about like how he played. He learned a ton from last year's round. Uh, they, they said it on the broadcast, but I mean, he was right there with Scotty last year as well. Uh, and... He's like, man, same thing last year. Like, I started out really scraggly, and I had to kind of grind through it. And this year, I did the same thing. It was just, this isn't a coverage take, but it will maybe lead to some coverage stuff later. It's like, that's exactly the kind of stuff that's going to make golf fans a lot smarter if there's some avenue to bring that stuff to light, right? Like, if if there's a way to sit with him for 30 minutes, like, sit with every winner after the week and and get, you know, 30 minutes of them going kind of shot by shot through their final round, just talking about like, hey, this shot reminded me of this shot. This shot reminded me of this. I learned this here. This is what I was thinking on this putt. Like, I think that would be just something I would absolutely watch on YouTube or wherever because I think there's a lot to be gleaned there. It would help everything not feel so fleeting, right? Like, yeah, come totally. Wednesday, like, it's going to take me a second to remember who won this tournament, right? Because just it's yeah. just week after week after week onslaught of all this stuff and everything just kind of once it happens, it's kind of like, yeah, okay, on to the next one. And no, you're exactly right. Help kind of remember, you know, uh, uh, this stretch of golf is the best of the PGA Tour, right? This stretch from January up to the Masters is probably the, the highlight, probably highlighted by the coming this coming week at the Genesis. And anything you can do to kind of drill, like part of what makes TBC Scottsdale work like we said in the beginning, is like the memories we have of these holes over the years. The bounce from Sahith, the bounce from Ricky Fowler going over the green on the 17th hole, Brooks Kepka chipping in on the 17th hole, like all the, of course, all the shots into 16 and, you know, the, uh, the, the collapses, the heroic shots, like it, it just is part of like what has, what makes the PGA Tour successful in, in one way. I mean, you could argue it's not successful in a lot of ways, but is the fact that they have these layers of history. It's the thing that Liv is battling right now and does not have, does not have any context. There's no memories of any of these golf courses or, or, or shots that have been hit in these tournaments over the years. And that's the one thing the tour kind of can fall back on. And this just feels like kind of one of the, one of the five maybe uh, highlights of that throughout the course of an entire year on the, on the PGA tour. So here, here, that being said, is it, did it a lot of reports, uh, you know, that something happened Saturday. I know there were some, some, uh, some serious issues, I guess, that happened Saturday. I guess when, with, the, with the weather they had this week, the hills getting slippery and all these things, they decided to cut off entrance coming into the place on Saturday, and they cut off alcohol sales at one point. A lot of videos flooding through. We have Zach Johnson blowing up at a fan and saying, don't sir me. Uh, we have Billy Horschel yelling <laughs> at a fan. Me. Don't sir don't me is <laughs> all time. Please, someone make a shirt oh, with oh, that. Oh, don't sir me. Don't, don't sir me. I'm going to start hitting me. you with that. Yeah. I'm gonna start, God, I can't wait to use that on you guys. 
I know your dads are going to be using that on their kids here. Don't, no, say, I don't, think don't it's, stir me. Don't stir. That's he, not going to work. I, I would say that I think that the crowd's always been the crowd. They probably, it sounds like they lost contain on the tickets. They were letting people in that didn't have the right ticket. It sounds like maybe there were some counterfeit tickets going on. I don't know if that, if it was counterfeit or what, but it sounds like, you know, they just had a, you know, the fire marshal was like, this place is, you know, there's too many people here. We got to, we're going to have to shut it down. Uh, but yeah, they lost contain a little bit, which like any house party, man, too many people show up. Like it's over. Like, you know, it gets bad. That's just, yeah. that's just how it works. Uh, you know, but I don't think, I honestly don't think it's really changed. It, it changed 10 years ago when they started putting corporate suites up around, you know, the Coliseum. Like it's, it's, it's been like this. That's, that's kind of what this tournament is. So I don't, I don't know. I kind of, I don't know. I kind of enjoy seeing the, the slip and slot, not this, not the shirt off slip and slide guys, but just the, kind of the drunk people wiping out. Like, you know, DJ, I, I got some fond memories of seeing that in person with you walking out of the waste <laughs> management like six years ago. So I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It's a, basically it's a guilty pleasure of mine. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't have a lot of time for any hand wringing about like, what are, what are we doing here? You know, like what, what did you think was going to happen guys? Like, have you seen how it gets, how this tournament gets marketed have you seen what it's been for the last decade i have multiple multiple friends who are like oh my god i cannot wait to go to this tournament for this exact reason and that's that's what they go do so like i, I mean it's a miracle to me that I, I said this on slack earlier like every year that this tournament goes by it, it is a miracle that fans have not impeded play at all or nobody's yelled in a backswing at a crucial time or whatever and it seemingly seems like we we got through mostly unscathed i saw billy ho and uh and zach johnson kind of lose their cool which you know if two players are going to lose their cool it's that, that would probably pretty high on my and that's my, uh, I'm, bingo, my bingo board I, what i, I feel honestly, like when i thought about it a lot Sally, you remember being i think it was was it number 15 at the Ryder cup at marcus simone when uh scotty made that putt and he's just getting heckled and heckled and heckled and he just like very coolly rolls in that birdie putt and he's just like smiling and he looks over and waves at the fans. I was like, oh no, that guy's going to like hold it together today. Like Zach Johnson, Billy Horschel, like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> and let the players police, like it's once, basically once a year. Yeah. Like you might have to do some self-policing guys. And I have no problem. Horschel, if you want to turn and be like, hey, shut the fuck up. Like that's cool with me too. Sure. Of course. Like I'm, I'm all for Horschel talking back to the crowd. They should do that. But but to say like how dare you guys it's like that's kind of why they're here man like we all kind of know that you can't wear your florida gators jersey on 16 and then get upset when a guy's yelling at you on like nine fairway but i i feel like we've anyone we've ever asked about this tournament over the years has has led with like yeah you know what you're signing up for we know like which makes me think yeah. like all right maybe it's just kind of every year is five percent more five percent more five percent more and you know so-and-so Joe Schmo sports fan that's never been to a golf tournament. It's like, oh, I got to go to this. And, you know, is, is used to going to football events and used to being able to yell things, used to going to basketball games and being able to yell things at opposing players, thinks he can do that before shots, right before shots as guys are standing over it. And it just maybe has gone, you know, slowly but surely has gone a little bit too far, which the fact that players were reacting as strong as they were, I think Ben on had some tweets saying it just got out of hand uh, a little bit this week. Just makes me like, I've not heard that from players ever at this tournament. Right. Which makes me think like something was maybe a little bit different about this year, but also it could be like some of the delays and the time that were just spent people just drinking, uh, you know, a yeah, ton. like Saturday's yeah. a marathon. Like that's, it, it was kind of going to be a zombie apocalypse with the, with yep. the uh, delays and stuff. Anyways, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm just also. I'm, I mean, at at the risk of right being in, in my uh, my shooter McGavin ivory tower here, I, I also think like, man, you're trying to make golf into like football money. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Right. Like, what we just we we got to grow the tent, man. We got to grow the tent. We got to grow the tent. We're not going to like take the time to like teach anybody about golf or like make sure that they have access to the game or make sure that they actually enjoy playing. We just we got to get them in so that they can like you know pay us more money is is kind of a a little bit of a me reaping me sowing situation sure. where i'm like dude i don't give i have no fucking sympathy for you guys man what what do you what do you think the trade off was here like well, yeah i mean my my only real issue Sally, is we just we need to make the the only rule there should be if you yell get in the hole you're out that's it. that's it way too much get in the hole guy like I, it's again the post shot shout stuff it's like just come up with something creative and it <laughs> would kind of be okay with me it's <laughs> just a lot of get in the hole guys at the waste management did i ever tell you guys about the the year uh i was there and i think it was the ricky and bubba or not ricky and bubba ricky and matsuyama playoff that that happened and it, it was a long playoff like went way into the super bowl and I was there like covering it for the tour and for whatever reason, like during this playoff, which I think went like six holes or something, uh, Bubba just started walking with me, just like never talked to him, just had, a, you know, no relationship with him. He just started walking and talking for like an hour and he was super polite, super nice, very interesting. He's given play by play. I think he's going to try to do this. He was like super, super nice. But it was the year that he let slip in the pre-tournament press conference that he was oh, only there because his yeah. because his sponsors were based in Scottsdale and they really like him playing the tournament. I think it was Oakley or whatever it was. And the fans just like booed him the first three days and just hated him. And, you know, it was the one year that everybody was like way out on Bubba. And if you remember, there's like the uh, so 16, everybody leaves 16 green and they go through the tunnel to 17. And those grandstands, you guys have seen them are like. They're really tall between 16 green and 17 T. So guys at the top can like turn around. They get the high and ground. You basically like got the Sun Tzu. You're just firing down on the people at the T box. And there's always like a lot of commotion when the guys go through and then they're all waiting on 17 T, right? Because it's short part four. So there's a little commotion. Everybody's kind of yelling, 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 but it can't sustain for like 10 minutes. So then it like gets quiet. And, and Bubba and I are standing there and this guy just top of his lungs can't hear anything else. Hey, Bubba. <laughs> He like looks up and goes, fuck you. <laughs> I was just like, man, this this if this crowd ever did turn, it would be a it would be a really tough, tough scene, man. There's nowhere for these guys to go. Where, who is that guy? I want to shake his hand. <laughs> it was just execution style. Hey, Bubba. Oh, hey. <laughs> you, uh guys, I'm, I'm struggling to marry uh, a thought I had this afternoon, which was um Hey, is Scotty Scheffler ever going to lose a golf tournament ever again? And also, is he going to beat 47-year-old Charlie Hoffman today, which he did not do? Um, I am I'm somehow walking away from this tournament with even more appreciation for Scotty's game than I had, which I think I've, I probably mentioned on every single show. And still in amazement that we are this far into this and just no sign of improvement at the putting at all. He was technically, he was almost dead even, just flat average in strokes gain uh, on the green this week. He was actually slightly negative around the green, but of course, number one in approach play and number two off the tee. His prowess with irons is somehow underappreciated. I know I tweeted this, but remember, like, not that long ago, we were saying, like, oh, Morikawa is number one in iron play. Paul Casey is number two. The gap between Morikawa and Paul Casey is the same as uh, Paul Casey in like number 60 in the strokes gain approach list. 
that's how good Morikawa was at iron play and like all anybody talked about. And Scotty has blown past Morikawa both currently and blown past whatever Morikawa was doing at the height of his peak. And no one talks about it. Plus, Scotty's longer, like way longer, like way longer than average, and he's more accurate than average. I don't know if we could spend 20 minutes talking about it on every show, and I don't know if enough emphasis would be on like this is the best ball striker we've seen since Tiger Woods. I don't, I, I don't know if there's any wiggle room to debate that at this point. I, I was thinking about this, Sally, and I, I think you know I, I've had a lot of fun at the, at the Data Boys' expense, but I want to I want to kneel down at the altar just for a second here. I was watching, you know, it's almost baseball season. So I'm doing my my uh, fall asleep watch to uh, the Ken Burns baseball documentary. And somebody was talking about like yada, yada, yada. The reason we love baseball is so great. Between generations, you can really compare statistics. And you know that if this guy was a 300 hitter in 2000, that's the same as a, being a 300 hitter in this time. And I think his point was basically like, that's a stat that that really takes like the pitchers of the era and the hitters of the era kind of like into account right like you can truly see how good you are against the competition which is the same as what strokes gained does right and i think just because it's not a it's a stat that like shouldn't be hard to understand but it just it, like it just is like if it's we not. had if we had a stat but, but you know what i mean i like it's hard for someone to say like oh scotty's at plus 2.4 right it's not right clean now. That's fucking it's not, crazy yeah. there's no like there's no context if, to it if we had like the baseball equivalent you would be able to say every week like yo scotty scheffler is like hitting 405 it's crazy like he's he's hitting 400 right now and we just don't have that and so instead it just becomes like well i don't know he hasn't won since uh what like the <laughs> masters i don't know but like if you look at it I, I know they haven't really updated it now but if you look at like the all-time data golf stuff i think where scotty's probably going to come in like after this week is basically like equivalent to phil's best stretch of his entire career right like you know there's like the all-time mm -hmm. like uh strokes gained like who was the best at their best type of thing. and it's not even his best stretch either like <laughs> scotty's best stretch like it's just it's laughable man how how fucking good it is and it's just again i'll reiterate what i said a couple weeks ago is like just the putting is remains the most captivating thing like in the sport just give me all of it man i the worm cam today that they showed on uh god what was that like maybe I think it was 15 or something 15, 15 when he missed yeah. a shorty on 15 yeah. it oh, was low I mean, the whole just, way it's just epic but he had a good it's week so good. he lost 2.7 strokes on the greens in a three-hole stretch like that he was having a good yeah. putting week and gave it all away in a three-hole stretch like he's a well, that's what genius. i was gonna say I, you know I, i'm not gonna lie i thought they kind of had us in the first half like <laughs> on front nine i was like dude he's rolling putts in like maybe maybe slay the demons shame on me because back nine comes around and and he started hitting it too close again. That was that's the problem. He's great from like ten to fifteen, but I mean, the the other thing about Scotty for me is like the numbers prove it and the eye test. He just thrashes the golf ball. It's amazing. Like he's he's the most accurate guy out there off the tee this you know today, and he's swinging out of his fucking shoes. Like his feet are going everywhere. It's and it's it's like the strategy is like yeah, just line up on the left side of the fairway and swing as hard as I can. I don't understand the physics of it and how he continues to be so consistent, especially with driver, because his feet are a little less jumpy with the irons. Uh, but another shot that stuck out to me early in the round, I think it was six, six or seven, the par three, it was like 228. And nobody was going at that pin on the yeah. left. It's like that part of the green. And he just takes dead aim at it with like a low riser. 
and hits it like, you know, just into the back rough. I think, he, I don't know if he, he got up bogey. and down or not, no, but just like bogey. the stones to go for it there was like, I mean, I just, the shot was like, it was outrageous that he, he was even like lined up to, to hit that shot. It's, it was, it's crazy how good the, uh, the iron stuff is. And again, I know he lost to him today, but like we got to 11 and it was like, Oh, Charlie Hoffman, you know, might be, might be doing some stuff today. Um, and he's got that front left pin with the water there. And Hoffman's got this approach shot coming in. And I was like, oh, dude, Ch Hoffman should not mess with this pin at all. This should go to the center of the green. And then Scotty hit the fairway. And I was like, Scotty should go after this pin because <laughs> I don't, I've never seen him like pull one far offline. Sure enough, he gets after that pin and made birdie at a, like a, a hole that nobody else was getting after. And it is. I, I I really I know I've referenced this a couple of times, but if you're if you're new to the show or haven't heard me reference this, is spending some time with him and Spieth last summer, talking ball striking, talking golf swing. I was really it really clicked and started to make a lot more sense when he talked about when I asked him about when you see that weird like follow through flip thing, like tell me like what is that? And he's like, oh, that's when I know when I get to blah 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 point in it, and I can feel the club being like who knows, fractionally out of position. He's like, that's that's my move to save it, to make sure like, it doesn't go too far right. Like when I feel it go here, I, I can... So the way he... He's like, everything I do, and I'm paraphrasing here, everything I do is to prepare myself for in-competition to be able to get make in-game and in-swing adjustments like that. Like everything... He's not trying to reach perfect positions with this club. He's not trying to hone the perfect swing. It's all about getting an athletic and competitive mindset and approach to hitting golf shots. And like ever since he said that, watching him hit the ball looks very differently to me. Like it really does. And watching... Hearing Jordan talk about all the things he's thinking about with his swing and like hearing Scotty, I'm like, oh, give me Scotty's thoughts all the time because well, it just And that's what's so I find it really appealing. Like I'm 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 like mesmerized when he watching him hit the golf ball. I know he's not he's like kind of boring, like as a whole, if you you know, like from a whole package standpoint a little bit, but from a just ball striking, like it's for me mesmerizing. And it's a great uh today was a good juxtaposition between Nick Taylor, Charlie Hoffman like honestly premier iron play from both of them today like Hoffman was just firing at everything hitting it close and his move is like timeless I mean he's like like Tommy Armour the third you know junior like short backswing like everything's on plane he gets his elbow inside and hearing uh I think it was like on 11 uh a shout out to kids like he they he and uh you know Kurt and I think Faxon were like breaking down his swing in slow-mo and it was just, you know, it's just awesome to hear Kiz's thoughts on it. It's like simple move. That's why he's been out here for, you know, 19 years. Like not much can go wrong there. And, you know, he changes grip a little bit with his coach, whatever, whatever. And then you, you basically take that and you're like, that's probably how you're going to hit the ball consistently. And then take what Solly just said. And it's like, that's even more fascinating to me of like, yeah, you're just, you're, wait, you're just saving stuff and you're still doing this. This is incredible. Hoffman's uh, swing today was reminding me of when we did that week in the life, Solly with Madeline Sagstrom uh, down at Lake Nona. It, it, there's that moment where she was mic'd up with the, on the range with uh, her caddy Shane and they're just kind of going back and forth. She's like, okay, so like if I rotate my body, like it can't go left. She's like, it, it cannot go left. If you just rotate your body, it cannot go left. And that, that is like what I was seeing every time Hoffman was swinging the club, like left miss was, was out of play. Hmm. Um, all right, we got some more uh, stuff to talk about from the from the waste management here, but we uh, we tease this at the front that we're going to be sharing our foot joy uh, moments of joy again. Little little break from the pro golf world for mine. I know for this week, maybe in the future we might be doing some some pro golf related stuff. But guys, 
it is getting harder and harder to jam in golf uh, with, with you know, in between, in times that we have childcare, uh, in times, you know, we, we have window, winter windows are not long. There's not long evenings. Uh, listen, there's bedtime routines. There's a whole lot of stuff. It's really difficult to do. We had an 11 o'clock meeting on the schedule for Friday. Hadn't, hadn't played around golf in 13 days. Uh, and we had an 11 o'clock meeting. And the only tee time available at the club was 1142. And the, the meeting was scheduled to end at 11.45, and I booked it anyways, and I took the call right next to the first tee. It was with our friends at Titleist and Footjoy, of course. And the, the call ended at 11.41, and I had an afternoon round of golf in February at 70 degrees, and it was a true moment of joy. It was fantastic. I really, really appreciated it. I appreciate it a lot more because it's just harder and harder to jam in right now. That's my moment of joy from this week. Deej, what do you got? Like, you know that I'm running the tight ship. You know that I got a tight agenda. You know I'm trying to give you back three, four, five, six minutes of your day in a meeting. Scheduled for it 45 minutes. We're going, we're going 39, 41 minutes. And and everybody have a great weekend. Or, or your money, or your money back. That's right. Uh so I'm fishing in the same ponds, my man. A different climate, you know. It was February 9th. They said it couldn't be done. They said you can't play golf in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on February 9th. It can't be done. Uh, and me and you know the fellas were were scoping it out for for days in advance, looking at the extended forecast. I don't know, it's supposed to hit like 48. It's a little sun. I think it's gonna dry out. We're making calls, calling greenskeepers. Can we get out? We're not gonna tell anybody. What do you think? Uh and like, all right, you know, just don't like mess anything up. We'll put some some temporary cups uh in front of the greens. Uh so got out, played nine holes uh with with a couple dear friends uh out here and just absolutely soaked it up, man. It was awesome. We Tony had such P. a fun time. <laughs> Tony yeah, exactly. in house. DJ's exactly. doing snow angels. Uh all basically, kinds of stuff. I did have a fried egg in a snowbank uh, in one of the bunkers, which was tough, but we, you know, excavated ourselves and, uh, and, and made it work. Uh, played a little, a little best ball with our guy, Drew Pond, who also had some like outrageous, outrageous eBay uh, foot joy shoes on from like, it had to be from like 1983 just to, uh, just to bring it full circle on the ad read here. So very, very joyful experience. It's not an ad read. That's uh, the beauty of this segment, DJ. You guys, you guys thought I was going to do, which we're going to talk about a little later in the show, the John Minium year in review. Oh, review. shit. Audible. Uh, Omaha. We're going to audible it. The, my, my moment of joy, I think, for the last three or four months is we took a trip out to uh, Titleist, the TPI Performance Center out in <laughs> yes. Southern California, and we saw Charlie Hoffman at TPI. <laughs> uh, and we you know, gave him a nod. We didn't really talk to him, but he, was, you know, when we came out, we were all leaving. And he's sitting in his his, uh, his truck, Rivian, driving the electric truck, looking you know fresh, fresh ride. It's all about we sustainability, our, man. We get in our minivan because that's what we do. We rent a minivan, and uh, Randy's driving, and uh, Hoffman pulls out first, pulls out in the parking lot, and we had a couple left turns. We come to a big stoplight, and uh, Randy Probably pulls mile, up next mile to him down the road. Yeah, yeah, like it was a good five minutes out, but it was like we pulled up right next to him at the light, and I was like, oh, oh shit, there's there's Charlie. <laughs> And we, you know, DJ is like, oh, dude, Randy, you got to burn him off the line, burn him off the line. I don't think this, that, that Rivian, I don't think it can move. And the light it was a solid 15, 20 seconds is sitting there kind of staring straight ahead. And we're like, he's not really paying attention. Like, we're going to get him. That light goes green. <laughs> Homie torched us. I mean, I've never seen it, anything like it. The guy went from zero to 60 faster than anyone on a, on a, a, like a street, a legal street I've ever seen. He's got speed, uh, man. He just came from TPI. Just completely dusted us uh, in the minivan. And 
we were clowning Randy all the way, all the way home. It was fantastic. And then he pulled, then we saw him pull in. He like slows down and pulls into a sandwich shop and just, just going to lunch. So he just completely clowned the boys. So that was a definitely a moment of joy for me. Love well that. Done. Shout out to our friends at foot joy. Um, guys, if Sahith, if, if, if really do feel like if he'd have got the good side of the draw, this could have been a very different week for him. He was on the bad, the bad side of the draw had about a three shot disadvantage. Uh, this Sorry, week, I, 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 I'm going to just stop you there. He's hitting it all over the place. I, yeah, I he mean, was, he was way better driving the ball this week than he usually is. Did you watch it today? Feels like it feels like the eye test. He got the bad I, side I of the draw. That's what I'm saying. Today it was like seventy no, degrees and the whole week. I'm saying for the whole week, like he had the the worst of the weather and the, the routine. Like this was an exhaust, more exhausting week than usual for Sahith. Listen, sure. easy guy for me to root for, but from what cool. I watched today, I felt like every golf shot was just from a tough spot. I was like, ooh, a lot of me just going, oh man. So, come on. We had that it's one fatigued. like balloon wedge that came up short of the green for like a hundred yards. It was just it hits very, very, very bad shots. No one loves saw hit more than me. You know, I think I think you'd know that. Uh no one's rooting for him harder to to get it done consistently, but like dog. There there were some I don't think the, the draw had much to do with some of the shots we saw today. That shot on uh what was that three when he was way, way left and had to like get up and down from basically like one of the frat parties left of the green was just <laughs> fucking unbelievable. Probably shot of the day. Uh, but yeah, you got to kind of stop putting yourself in those spots. Well, I'm saying he finished at 17 under, you put him on the good side of the draw and, and even that out, that's at 20. And uh, you know, if you're in contention, that's, maybe you battle through a little bit. Like I'm saying, come on. Whiffs, whiffs of big tone syndrome there. If he could just have an eight shot lead going into the final round. Then, no, then everyone else was on the better. Like, look, I, I, without double checking all this, almost everyone at the top of the leaderboard was on the good side of the draw. Like there was, there's, it's rare in a tour event. You get this much of a, of a draw difference. So I just wanted to, I want to throw that, that thought out there for our guy, because uh, I was emotionally invested. I got pretty de-invested pretty quickly because it was clear he did not have it uh, on this Sunday. But I, I mean, I, I just I'm going to continue to push back here. You're, you're, you, you keep talking about the draw. 65-64 to open up. Like, I don't know that the draw That's was like. That's really, really good. It was really I, yeah, I, know, but I think the problem was yeah. Sunday. He just, he was kind of yeah. in, he's in contention. 69-69 today is just that, that, that ain't it. It's not good. And he didn't have a ton of magic around the greens. Like he just he asked way too much out of his short game today. He's just not. There's no rhythm today. That that's the best word I could have for it. There's no rhythm to his his round at all today. And and he's not probably not helping me with the eye test. With it, his reactions are outrageous after shots. It's just a you know a lot of disgust, which is which I you know enjoy watching, but it's probably not helping his uh his mentals. He takes you on an emotional journey. That's what we all love about sure. him. Um, and I, he's the, he's the one guy that I feel like heartache for. Or he's one of the few guys I should say that I feel like heartache for when it doesn't go his way. Cause I really wanted to win a big tournament. I still feel like he's owed one after, uh, after what happened a couple years, he got a nice bounce on 11 today, which I, I thought was going to be the one to kind of, uh, you know, bounce him in the right, uh, lead him in the right direction. Just didn't happen for him today. So he, he, he missed a green from 94 yards on 15. I just, I, that's not I don't good. Think that's, I just I don't think that's gonna get it done, man. <laughs> what are we uh what do we think of Jordan Spieth's output this week? Fourteen under par, a T six, uh finish finish seven shots back. Are we are we are we buying the Spieth uh what whatever's going on with Spieth right now? I, mean, I think we're always buying it's like an employee buyback program. <laughs> I feel like. I mean, we're always we're always buying the marketplace is always open, right? Yeah, direct deposits on. Right. Don't try to time the market. I think it, just a lot of true investing <laughs> advice here on, on the NLU pod. Uh, 
I don't know. It's yeah. You, you're like, oh god, the links master. Here he comes, and then he misses a three or four footer. You know, he just knows how to suck the momentum out of a out of a round. So if we could clean some of that stuff up, I I feel like he's he's definitely he's doing stuff, which is good. I mean, I feel like largely largely positive, right? I know he didn't hit his irons great this week, uh, but pretty solid greens across the board, like. You know, kind of like positive in most most categories. It seems like f- the sustainability models, I think, like it to your to your point uh, or to your question. I don't know. What do you think, Solly? You you buying? I I I am wondering aloud if we all maybe after you know 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, and now 2024 that <laughs> maybe we should have come to this conclusion earlier. But I'm wondering aloud. How much of an outlier 2015 and 2017 were, right? I mean, if you just go look at his production and his stats and and what kind of a player he is, there's two years that stick out: plus 2.6 and 15, plus 2.45 and 17. Has not cleared two since then, right? And the highest he's done since then is 1.62 in an entire season. So he's not gotten within a shot uh, of either, uh, almost a full shot within either of the numbers in, in the, those two years. And for this, I I just don't see where he's gonna. Like I, I feel like I've held out hope for so long that he's going to become that guy again and just go absolutely ape shit, and it just doesn't seem to ever want to last seventy two holes. Like it just, it doesn't want to last four holes. Like you can make three birdies in a row and then throw it back with a double. It just doesn't seem like there's never a moment when I feel like Speed's got all of this. He's got it all under control, and here he goes. And well, it's most of the time it doesn't even last a hole. Fifteen today was a perfect example. <laughs> Blows the drive, has to lay up, and then he just hits an unbelievable wedge. Right, and you're like, oh, all right. Well, I guess that, yeah, he made birdie, but it just doesn't it doesn't look great. Here, hearing him call that whole thing like a game of horse was just great as well. Like, yeah, I'm gonna land at this number. It's gonna spin back. We're gonna have here. We're gonna be putting up the hill. Blah blah blah. Yeah, Greller's like, like yeah, yeah, no, he yeah, just exactly for sure. Do it, bro. Hold <laughs> the towel out. All right, you ready? Okay, let's go. <laughs> since since the uh, he won the Open in July of 17, uh, which is six and a half years ago now. How many how many times has Spieth won? Since he won Two. the Open. Three, um, two. I want to say three. Two times. The Valero Texas Open and the Valero RBC and Heritage. Heritage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, listen, it's not so well. I think I think your question is uh was maybe not specific enough, right? <laughs> like if you if you're asking like what do you think of what we saw from Spieth? Is he on his way to 2015 again? I'd be like, oh, <laughs> no, I don't think that's what's going on. Right. But like, do I think he could win a golf tournament? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right, but I, like, I don't think he's like going to be Scotty all of a sudden. I, 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 I mean, that's bleak to like. No, I think that answers the question. Fans, I, if right, you, like if that's the expectation for him now, or if that's like, do I think he can win a tournament? That kind of answers the question, right? If I, like what our expectations are for Spieth, I think you know. Yeah, but that tournament might be the Masters. It very well could exactly right. Exactly. So that's the thing. It's like it's it's like oh, that's the best best fit there is. So it's yeah. like yeah, is he trending towards? You know, the first week of April, like I would say, yes, that's that's true, Bubba. If I got a swing, I got a shot. You know, just give me just give me a chair. That's it, man. Just give me some hope coming into coming into four weeks a year. That's all we really are. I, and I would say, you know, the Beluga would like to say that I think JT is is trending. Uh, he mm. seems to be continuing to to show up on the first or second page of the leaderboard. Not a great day today, but um, but I, but I think our, my call Pebble is right. We're not we're not ready for it yet, JT, but. We will keep you posted. Just a lot of dudes that are hitting the crap out of the ball. I put, you know, obviously JT and Scotty not in the same category there, but dudes that I'm like, dude, I, 
some stuff's got to really fall right for you to win with how you guys putt, right? I, you do not seem to have these huge swing, like weird, wild, out of body weeks where you make everything you look at almost ever. And I don't know where your wins are going to come from. Again, Scott. But if there's one player that I feel like there that could happen, I feel like Spieth is he could have an out of body putting experience, like especially because it's still just the short ones that are that are messing him up. <laughs> Like, it's not really a putting issue. It's just like he could get hot. It seems like it might be an issue. <laughs> oh, it's a mental issue. Yeah. As Kiz Plans says, just just step up and hit the putt, you know? Like, it's it, just stop taking so long, Jordan. It is a, it's a jarring difference between watching some of these guys and watching, like, Nick Taylor today. Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, man, he's hitting every putt, like, on his exact line. It's just it's fun to watch dudes that are that locked in where their putts just kind of, like, hug the line and go right in the middle. For sure. Neil, you put a, a, a note in here as to where you wanted to take us next on the beginning of the PGA well, I just wanted, season. I wanted to run something by you guys. I was thinking about it today watching. I felt like last year was a like dream start for the PGA Tour. It was Rom comes out swinging in Hawaii. Max and Scotty like, win in epic fashion on the West Coast. Rom balls out at Genesis, you know, showdown with Max. Uh, and then Scotty dominates the players. So it was just like this build towards Augusta. And these like basically heavyweight matchups. And I feel like this year has kind of been the complete opposite. And I, and I, I really, you know, some of it's bad luck with weather. The first signature event gets rained out. It's 54 holes kind of tough this week with weather and, and, you know, things leaking into the Super Bowl. Uh, I honestly, I think the ROM news to start the year off and just all the distractions off the course, like us watching guys take you know, phone calls about business on the driving range at Pebble, like stuff like that. It's just like, man, it feels like there's just a, a lot of distraction. And I would say like feeling, I, I feel the whole of ROM, you know, it's like I'm bummed sure. and it's just, it yeah. sucks that like, he's another guy that kind of thrashes the golf ball. And, you know, we joke around and call him the buoy, but like he and Scotty are kind of the, you know, they're the pace setters and only having one of them out there is totally, um, you can feel that hole. And then what happens is, and I mean no shade towards any of these guys, but Chris Kirk, Matthew Pavon, Grayson Murray, Nick Dunlap, Wyndham Clark, uh, and and Nick Taylor. Like all like for a for a diehard golf fan, I find pretty much all of those guys. I'm like, there's some interesting storylines there. First amateur to win since Phil, uh Pavon, like kind of no name guys, like Nick Taylor, like man, he's he's a player. Like there is like I was locked in today, Charlie Hoffman, like just but like for for the game of golf itself, like I guess the question I have for you is: Is parity a good thing or not? Is this depth of mules good? No. You know what I mean? It's like I, I'm I'm struggling with that because it's like yeah, depth is good, but man, it's tough when you got no brand names up there. This whole uh, this whole stretch feels. Sorry, I think you'll get a kick out of this, but it feels like the PJ Tour saying like all call. With a lot of the uh, a lot of the blowback they get about you know we're we're cutting playing opportunities and we're cutting we're we're taking the cut away and we're doing this and all this like uproar of a lot of people saying no you know what that's bullshit this is why I watch pro golf for great stories like this it's like <laughs> hey man there you go there, there's like six or seven of them in a <laughs> row like ah, what do you think you like this or would you rather see you know true Mark McGuire you want to see me hitting some fucking dingers <laughs> uh, and. For I sure, think it, I think it's that's uh, exactly what I'm getting at, dude. It's like, man, I'm yeah. I'm struggling to, you know, like get excited about, you know, 
Matthew Pavon strokes gained right now. You know what I'm it, saying? Like it is, it, but it, it's truly like it, as with a lot of the shit, like it, it's choose your own adventure right now on the on in like the world of golf. Like if this is the stuff that you, if this truly is the reason, like you you love watching pro golf. Legitimately, every week has been like a really good story. Chris Kirk, really good story. If you want to dig into it, Grayson Murray, complicated, really good story. Nick what a Dunlap, good story. America phenomenal. loves a comeback, right? totally. And it's been Matthew good drama Pavon. too along the way. Getting Matthew Pavon, Matthew Pavon is a great example of the the partnership with the DP World Tour and getting those guys a pathway to the PGA Tour and you know using exemptions correctly and all that stuff. Wyndham Clark, U.S. Open champion. I know just kind of like a rain soaked bummer and then the nick taylor stuff was a pretty epic finish today so like yeah i, I don't I, I think it's kind of one of those things it's like man if you're if that's what you're looking for like it's there there you go this is what you said and you're liking but i i think this is not the path forward for the next like 50 years of pj tour entertainment golf right i don't think this is what pj tour Inter uh, enterprises is is trying to build their business around so yeah. what, do you, what do you think yeah it it has um I guess, how, how do you say, you can't play God, right? I mean, you can, you kind of can a little bit with limiting, like the idea behind limiting the fields is, you know, someone, Nick Taylor, bad example, but, you know, Matthew Pavon isn't there to, to quote, and I'm using air quotes here, like spoil the fun if you get a Scotty versus like Sahith and, and Spieth showdown down the stretch, right? The idea being kind of almost have to have a good winner here. Honestly, part of what Liv gets right, if they had a full field of top talent, like, you almost can't have a bad winner in there. Of course, they don't have a, a full field of top talent. It's a very mixed field, and you end up with kind of Peter Uline versus Dustin Johnson at the end of it sometimes, right? So it you, you part of what I like about golf and what a lot of people, I think, on this show like about professional golf is the competitive aspect of it, right? It's been no question as to where the top golf in the world has been played anywhere since we've ever done this, right? It's on the PGA Tour, and that, that part is you know, what keeps you intrigued and keep keeps us watching right now. Is it going to bring in Matt? Is like Nick Taylor going to help bring in the masses that are required to, you know, make the PGA tour successful in the long run? Potentially I, that would be the common sense answer, but common sense has kind of gone out the window for me in determining how, how all this stuff is going to play out. Um, and so, yeah, it, look, it's not, it's less than ideal from the, a, that standpoint, but that doesn't mean that there's not been some decent entertainment about and a lot of things what I like about uh golf at the highest level to this point now is it more fun when it's Rahm and Max throwing haymakers at the Genesis of course like it it has not been like peak peak golf but it's also like not bleak like 2014 well, that's, yeah that's what I was kind right of now tossing around or struggling with myself I like, mean I'm, I'm enjoying this but I'm also like man if I like trying to explain to my you know my buddies uh at the Super Bowl party like no, 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 this guy, Nick Taylor, man, you got to understand, like, he he made this long putt at the Canadian Open. Like, I have a lot more context where it's like, they'd probably turn on and be like, that guy's wearing a back brace, you know? And he, <laughs> who's this guy with the uh, Pele soccer shoes on? You know, it's just like kind of a tough look for, oh, totally. Sambas. for, for the PGA Tour. I'm like, yeah, this isn't, you know, the hashtag, these guys are good. Well, they are, it, but it, it's not looking like it. it it's that whole thing we've talked about a lot is just the personalities that have been lost, right? I mean, Bryson's whole yes. thing was really interesting to watch in the playing field of like serious competitive golf. Like it's not nearly as like, Oh, is the Bryson thing going to work when you know you got Meek Mill blasting in the background and there's like six people watching it, you know, in a certain, like it just doesn't like no one cares like how that actually about that competitive product. Right. So you miss, Brooks, you miss Dustin Johnson, you miss so many of these dudes that not necessarily would have played 
you know, waste management. DJ wasn't a waste management guy, but like Brooks was a force in this event for, he won it multiple times. Like he was missed this weekend, of course. Like it's all, and it goes back to everything almost that we've said when these signings happen and guys leave is like, it's not as much of a win for live as it is a loss for the PGA tour. And because nobody watches live, like nobody watched Rom in weekend one. Uh, you know, and I, I ratings aren't in yet for Vegas, but uh, pe- the ratings aren't going to be good. I can, I will bet a lot on that. And it's all, you know, just such a bummer that we like don't see Rahm and Scotty playing together this weekend. So, yeah, I guess the, the point of me bringing that up is almost like, I, I guess I didn't feel it as much last year. And, and, and I think yeah. some of that was just luck. June 6th like, changed things too, though. I, I think, yeah. yeah, that's probably true too. It's like it, it, maybe it felt a little more cohesive for the guys that stuck around before June 6th of like, you know, we're here, we're going to build, like, there's still kind of some, some hope and change in the air. Well, some, the uh, new model, the designated event model was, there was, we were, people were excited about that last year and it delivered a ton of these moments. And now it's just like the ROM size hole is enormous. Right. And it's just it really is. Yeah. So it's a, you know, I, I well, is maybe not the right word, but it's just different. It's like, damn, I, I'm, I'm feeling something a, a little bit, but does it help that Legion 13 won last week for you in terms of, you know, you know, you're you're, you're going off those not not this week, but the week before they won. Um, oh, I see. I does that see. Yeah. does that help you a lot, Neil? Uh, you kind of get through those these list of winners that has some been that appeal. No, Rob getting upset about the music and people making <laughs> we'll get noise to in the background definitely helps me out though. That that's that's what I'm here for is the the butcher getting upset. I mean, I, I think the only thing worth adding there is the the rom size hole only gets bigger this week at Riv too. God, yeah. yeah, man, it's like past champions and and Neiman. It's like yeah. he's not there. It's like that sucks. It it really does. It just yeah, it's a bummer. Um, quick Amsterdam, um, NBC. I, I decent week, I'd say. I mean, commercial load is what it is, but uh, they tried a couple of new things. They put Smiley and and Kisner down there on the 16th hole. You know, probably got a little too honed in on the 16th hole and lost track of the golf tournament that was happening last night, but. Um, I applaud them for trying something new. Listen, all the things that I'll applaud them for, they've just copied directly off CBS, adding, you know, drones and adding walk and talks and adding uh, two people on, on the 16th tee. They're not leaders in innovation, but at least they're copying off their, their competition and, and bringing a little bit to that. And Kiz has been a great addition, Con- great vibe, great demeanor in there. He's not trying too hard to be funny. He's just being himself, giving good golf insight, giving good little quips on each person. He's been really, really additive to have that uh, for their telecast. I think his kids has been fantastic. Like I had decently high expectations just because I think he's a great like personality and he seems like he kind of loosens everybody else up, but he's far and away exceeded my expectations just from like making me kind of the moments on the couch where you're like, huh, I didn't think about it that way. That's, that's interesting. Like the best example I thought was Charlie Hoffman blown in that right bunker on 17 and you know, great conversation between him and Faxon on what a what kind of bunker shot are you trying to hit here are you trying to pick it clean and spin it back there to that back pin or are you trying to splash one out and chop it to the front and what are the pros and cons and Kisner kind of saying what I thought was a very good point like you got to pick it try to take on that pin because if you go over the green and you roll it into that backwater it is almost an auto up and down from behind that green and you're gonna make five at worst so like Keep your foot on the gas. Keep going. I was like, oh shit, I didn't, I didn't think about it that way. That's awesome, and it gives so much more context to Hoffman chooses to splash it out instead and leaves himself with this really diabolical kind of looking lag putt, and it, it was just a great, great, great moment. I thought the thing with him and Smiley on sixteen was like a massive step forward. I, I will not disagree with what you said. They definitely lost the plot on 
what's going on with the actual golf tournament and it kind of just turned into the 16 show but i had kind of a twitter thread about about how much i liked it and i think my big takeaway is like dude you gotta be doing that stuff on thursday and friday like that's the reason to give me like that that's how you give me a reason to watch on thursday and friday and i think you slowly hone in more and more on the actual x's and o's of the golf tournament as you get closer to the end because sunday is like there's almost as you know biased opinion there's like nothing better than the back nine of a pga tour event on sunday i love it it's undefeated if you got a close tournament like I, i'm there watching every single week it's it's great there is nothing more boring in the whole entire world to me than <laughs> thursday and friday yeah. i literally can't watch it i i forget most days that it is thursday until like 4 p.m and then i'm like oh shit the golf tournament's on i guess i should see what's going on but like it just seems to me like you could pick a hole like that like i loved the the two person allowing them to kind of get some like rat-a-tat going and playing off of each other and having inside jokes that carry on for a while like it, it it's what we say all the time like it felt more like a podcast than it did you know a uh a golf broadcast and there's there's an at least one interesting hole every week like put them at the 10th hole at Riv next week on Thursday and Friday and just get them to, you know, get them to go off and kind of do their, their shtick or better yet, bring in other people like each, you know, can I challenge flag you real quick? People. Just like, please. They, they have featured whole stuff like on ESPN plus, right? You could, that's yeah, an it option. It sucks though, because it's not like, okay. it's not current players. It's not no offense to anybody, but like, all those guys who are doing that are are doing so much of the like I am doing an impression of a golf announcer yeah. and ha, ha, Taylor Swift she was at the Chiefs game did you see that? <laughs> Anyways, here comes fucking Nick Taylor. Nick Taylor. Yeah, it's like these guys are they're giving like real insights. They clearly have like good rapport. They just have like a good sense of humor and they're fun to hang out with. And again, I'm not trying to like throw shade, but man, if you had a, a cast of former players current players media people architects like whoever like bring it like i think a lot of the reason kisner's so good you could hear it on coming down the stretch today is because it's new it's like the romo thing in his first couple years like when it's it's a new energy in the booth you can tell the person's like actually excited and you can tell the opposite of that is when you're faking it shout out to the entire live broadcast team or when you're like going through the motions and you know you you've you've done 400 events in a row which is like nobody's fault but bring in some new blood and some new voices and just like don't manufacture the energy just like have some actual people who are pumped to be there it's it's hard um it's kind of how i feel about like every drop uh after the patrick reed drop at farmers was treated like oh like it was such a huge story that patrick reed's drop that he took at farmers in 2021 that every drop after that was like oh we got to get both multiple cameras on there and a rules expert in here because this is going to be the good shit and like, you don't want to miss this now it's kind of like with the ace that happened not live with sam Ryder with you know amanda and colt down there it's almost like now they're fearing if, if an ace happens now and we're not live we've totally missed the plot and it just kind of seems like man i don't what know what a tough we, spot to be totally. for a one in yeah. one hundred thousand. You know, yeah. it's like oh, you could feel it late Saturday of like, please, 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 somebody hit one close. You know, and and I would say, DJ, I would agree with everything you said. However, I didn't think those two were really that good. So it's almost like that's that's the bar you have to clear, which that's is the funny saying. part. Yes. It's like, I mean, I I I think they if the advice the advice I would give to the production crew, and I know I don't know what a hard camera is, et cetera, et cetera, is don't be scared to like, you know, 
run the talent through. That's that's the thing I agree with the most is like, yeah, man, throw somebody on for a a, a three tournament contract. The the new energy and and I don't know, especially if you're doing something like that where they have one hole to focus on and they can get in a rhythm, makes a big difference. Instead of having to bounce around and call different shots and someone's in your ear, it's like, no, man, you have one job. You're gonna sit here. We're gonna run some people through. You're gonna talk to them. You have one job today. Is just like talk about what you're seeing on this awesome golf hole at at this PGA Tour event. And I think you could do that just for what it's worth. We can move on, but I think it's you do the same thing with featured groups. You send two people with one group the whole day, and you keep coming back to that group. I think that would be electric. And then you can cut away if somebody else is doing something on the golf course. But like, man, Thursday, Friday, the 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 stakes are not that high. Totally, like, please, yeah, totally for the love agree. of Christ. Please just like try something, guys. Uh, where do you guys want to go next? Do you want to do? I, I have I have one thing I'd like to to bring up. Um, I am getting. I was very disappointed in the preferred lies today. Um, and I know that's you know I I just I feel like we're we're um I don't like seeing these guys mark their ball, you know, at, like on the fringe of the green and then move it like a club length away from to get a better angle and. I, I'm fine with it when the weather's bad, but today just felt like a, a bridge too far for me. And I also want to bring it up because everybody's getting hot and bothered about these low scores. Wyndham at Pebble, preferred lies. Nick Taylor on Thursday, preferred lies. I don't know what happened on the Corn Ferry Tour. I don't know if those were preferred lies. Would like to look into it. But I, I tried to look it up on Data Golf and if there. there's any way to understand if the, how, what the stroke difference is between preferred lies versus not preferred lies. You know, I feel like it's doing my guy Furick a disservice. And some of the guys have shot 59. Like, I want to know which ones of those were preferred lies now. I need to go back in history. And I tried to look it up. It was like Furick 58. All right, it was Travelers. Maybe it was wet out there. Couldn't find anything in the old, you know, ESPN archives about preferred lies. But it's a massive factor. Like, I think the way these guys spin it and when they're able to clean their ball and, like, set it up almost like they're, like, aim pointing it. You know, they're, like, putting their ball down <laughs> in a certain way. I'm like fuck man like it's a massive advantage and i know the whole field's doing it i get that but it just kind of don't come at me with all these historic course records when it's a little bit like yeah man but they're playing a lift clean in place like that's that's a factor here so anyway rant over yeah it's it's tough because it's also just not fun to watch mud ball cinch right and i don't i don't know that didn't look like it's kind of sick i think that's all it just leads to Bubba not out, like it, it's potential for content yeah, but it, just watching dudes be watch. whiny after ugh, mud ball, kinda, that's not that fun. Like nah, it gets old quick. a little quick. bit more of that. It gets old quick. I, now, the question is, was today muddy enough to, to do that? I'm sure something. Absolutely not. I'm sure something to do with starting round three Saturday, going into and not repairing. They didn't want to change it in between rounds in case. I, I'm sure that sure had something enough. to do with it. Uh, that's that, fair. Sure, that had something to do with it. Do they go to it way too often? It is just, again, almost every problem with the Tory can go back to this. Like, yeah, when you try to jam this many people into a golf course uh, from sunup to sundown, you're going to run into some of these exact problems, right? Because, you know, if it's maybe the possibility that's going to rain in the afternoon means you may have to go preferred lies for the morning wave as well, even if you got perfect weather. Like, it's just a, uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot of that goes into that, which... I definitely agree and, and that it should not be a club. All that. It should I just not be don't, a club. I personally, one of my favorite things about watching pro golfers, and maybe this is because I am watching a lot of golf, is I like when they have to deal with variables. I love watching them play in the wind. I like watching them when they have to play uneven lies, like things at Augusta and Kapalua, like those those types of courses. 
And I think having texture and mud on your golf ball could be like another thing. Like when it rolls into a divot, it's like, oh, hell yeah. I can't wait to watch how he plays this shot. Like those are the things that I think for me make pro golfers like me that much more impressed with how they play. And so when they take those things away, it, it frustrates me sometimes. I, I think like most things with this podcast, it, it, it's kind of the uh, the paradox of, yeah, there's probably a good rule, but it's a fucking disgrace. Is, <laughs> yeah. And I know right? you want more birdies. Like we just said, oh, it's it was great. Nick, product. Yeah. You know, Nick I, did five or four birdies in his last five holes. Probably doesn't happen if he's not playing a preferred life. I don't know. That's kind of why I wanted, was wondering if any listener out there has any stats or knows anything about like what the you know, is there a stroke difference, an average stroke difference? I don't know if that's even measurable. Didn't, well, the problem the US with Open that, go like a hundred years without doing preferred lies. Like, I think it can be, it can be done. It can be right, but it the tour pros are pampered. I would say also, Neil, the you know, there's a another factor in why the scores go low when there are preferred lies, which is like preferred lies means it's probably soft and scoring is going to be low anyways, right? So there's kind of a double correlation that would that would go with that as well, but. Uh, it should not be a full club length. You should not be able to get like a better angle around the greens uh, when you are on the fringe. Like that's the part that's like, dude, you should, you should have to put it back as close to the original spot as possible. Like you do when you mark it on the green. Like that is. Uh, yeah, a, maybe that's it. It's like TIO. Totally. Just We just got to update some of these things. Like I understand the, the point of the rule. I just don't like seeing it. It, it, it kind of just pisses me off. <laughs> Where do you guys want to go next? You want to do Live Vegas? You want to do some of this new equity SSG stuff that's come up? Where, where, where do you guys want to go next? Let's, Let's go live. to Vegas. All yeah. right. Uh, Dustin Johnson won Live Vegas by one shot over uh, Peter Uline. Um, this crazy golf style of golf that I've never seen before. I, I, I don't know. Stop me, Neil. I, I don't know if this uh, was on your radar at all. But on the 18th hole, Dustin Johnson drove it way right and uh, got it was under almost underneath a tree and some thick rough and immediately got uh, about 10 to 15 feet of free relief to the left towards the fairway because of a scoreboard up by the green of TIO relief Did that uh, I, I just never seen anything like that before in a pro it was, golf it was making the rounds on, on crazy X echo chamber just just many many people with tears in their eyes just tagging me in. you would not believe the TIO the <laughs> disgraceful TIO relief happening in Vegas right now how how far right was he it looked like he was like 15 feet off the fairway, 20 <laughs> feet off the fairway. Like multiple people were getting relief from that same spot. It was it one of those, like, like you see that in a practice, like, oh, just blow it away, right? We'll get totally free yeah. relief back to wherever we want here. Yeah. Which I all I I got word that all the fans that were surrounding that pool around the uh, 18th green, all of them, all the fans that were really into the golf could not believe that TIO relief. They were For disgusted sure. by it. They were so upset by the fact that he had to take that drop. Uh, they just, they think, they think the, the entire win should have an asterisk on it. Uh, let, let me say this about Liv. I, I come to you slightly hat in hand to say I was legitimately a tinge. I had a tinge of excitement about watching on Saturday. I was like, man, DJ Rom Bryson in the final group is like, I don't know. Say what you will. It's compelling. I got nothing going on. I'm going to turn this on and I'm I'm looking forward to got to aggregate this. I'm people. looking forward to watching it. Having said that. It sucked, man. It's not fun to watch. <laughs> it's not. The golf was abhorrent. I can't believe that's a real golf course <laughs> that they terrible. played. The telecast sucks ass. Like it's just, it's just not fun, man. I, I like. Don't and again, give your guy it, Dom Boulay like that. Come on, I know just, you, you, and you love Dom. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. And this is me giving. Like I swear to God, I gave it such an earnest 
an earnest chance to be like, you know what? I, I love watching all three of these guys. I can't wait to watch these guys play golf. They're playing this weird, like suffocating golf course where you can't actually like, you know, they can't hit any shots anyways. The whole thing is just, it's just really weird. You got the weird music being piped in. Like you can hear that flowing from everywhere, which is just deeply uncool vibe. Uh, just the whole, the whole thing was, was not good. They're pumping, uh, the Sharks career achievements on a lower third during like the 18th hole of the golf tournament. Uh, they got Greg, sick. Greg Norman was the captain of the 2011 president's cup team and as 2009 like, as these guys are coming down, like the final hole of the tournament, the shotgun start sucks as well. Like it's just, that's, it's my, not, that's the thing I struggle with the most just because I thought that was going to be, I, cool I don't, it, I don't know like what, it. where, who is, has how many holes left and rounds oh, one and two playing slow. Like, rounds I don't one know what the deal is. It could be totally fine. It is. The one thing that's really good, you said this already earlier, DJ, about PJ Tour golf is like how these things finish. That the I watched a fair amount of it Saturday as well. First of all, I will say, should have more of their events in on Saturday. Like if you want to differentiate yeah, your product, that was great, and not the same time as the PJ Tour. That is a very stupid thing to have your product go up against PJ Tour Sunday. You're going to lose that battle every time. I will tune in. I was watching more live on Saturday than I was. Uh, yeah. Saturday waste management just because it was weird timing because of the where round three was starting that definitely contributed but like you have some intrigue and I was curious to see how it was going to play out with that good leaderboard and if I really was missing out on one of these things that's one the shotgun start finish is a total disgrace it's awful I'm literally watching it I have no idea they, they made an error in one of the graphics when Uline was playing what, I, what ended up being his last hole but he had it said two to play and I'm like oh he gets to flip over and play I think he plays the par five first coming in like I should go wager on this like I think he's got a good no it turns out that was his last hole like you you don't even know who what what is remaining it's a total mess if you're like a uh you know a, a diehard golf fan of any kind you can't figure out what is going on and finally you pointed out to me that the their scores turn a different color once they've finished the round I had no idea uh who was finished well, there's and who so was many not. damn colors on those leaderboards <laughs> I don't you know how are you supposed to know that it's it's just Oh my God! It's a sensory over. It's a sensory blitzkrieg. <laughs> Shout out to Brandel. It is. It's again. I've said it's not a different enough style of golf that ever justify these people that are faking like this is the coolest thing in the world. Like it's. It's not. It's just. It's just golf. It's worse courses, but louder, way worse fields, worse format somehow. Uh, it, it, I, I've tried, and man, it's gonna get. I'll, I'll get into how it's how bleak it's about to get for live, but also. Low key, a lot of commercials. Yes, the like, seventy second hole. Thought that was the, I the, thought that the, was the thing we fixed. The final hole. Who uh, Dustin Johnson teed off? They didn't show the other two tee shots. <laughs> the other two guys in the group. They didn't. They did not show it. They got. They didn't yeah. show that, and it was TIL. I'm like, dude, I have seen this product before. I have seen this. Yeah, we I'm have. Gonna... We have this at home. <laughs> we, as DJ says, we have plenty of towels. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I don't know. My my big takeaway is like, do I think a lot of people are are constantly chirping about how great this is in good faith? No, I don't. I think it's a reaction to reaction to reaction to reaction to reaction, whatever. And what I'll say is like, if you genuinely turn it on and you feel jo you're feeling the joy watching uh watching that uh and you, you really like it then like godspeed man have fun that's great i'm not telling anybody not to watch it i'm just telling like it it you know we're getting ready to do our oscars pod neil that's that's coming up some movies you just don't like right sure. i'm not i'm not telling anybody to not watch them i'm just 
it's not for me. I gave it such an earnest shot this weekend. I swear, and I just it's not for me. I'm I'm good. We're, I, I have time to watch one four day golf tournament, three day golf tournament, whatever per week. I I, I think I, that's about my max. I don't think I need multiple very lengthy stroke play events in my life. It, yeah, I a couple agree. highlights. Just, Rums, shank them all, and the cliques suck. By the way, <laughs> Tron needs to answer for that. They stink, and I, I don't. Tron's retweet all this blandy stuff all the time. The cliques. Suck. He said it. He said it was blandemonium again this weekend. <laughs> oh, it's a disgrace. They're they're awful. Rom's shank was absolutely sick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's where I was like, you know what, man, I'm good. good. Rom, just a cold shank from the middle of the fairway. Well, Rom and I also. I feel like there's some so, like sometimes uh, we, like we play with some pro golfers and I sometimes they hit some bad fucking shots when they're not playing competitive rounds. Like right. case in point, Jordan Spieth at Kapalua chunks one into the ravine on like the fifth <laughs> hole. I'm like, dude, you do that too. Like, and I just feel like there may be a little bit Anyone of that going on out there. Under that week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, but it's like, yeah, man, it's I gotta think there's an impact there of like, is he? Yeah, there's a lot of money at stake, but is he really locked in? Like, I, I don't know. Dustin Johnson's quotes, I think this is from Dan Rappaport, uh, said he didn't touch a club in the entire offseason, was shocked that he finished T5 in the first week. And then, wins and then he week. won in the second week, which again is like, huh, maybe it was a huge coincidence, man. Maybe. maybe. Or what, what would be a more likely explanation? I hate that my brain works this way now, but it, I could see it come from a mile away. Like Charlie Hoffman's up at the top of the leaderboard. I'm guessing people are just... Oh, well, PGA Tour, blah, 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 as if like, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna look this up. What's uh, it's Charlie Hoffman's data golf rank. It's 205. Okay, I'm just gonna look this up. What's Peter Uline's? It's 199, right? Like this same exact thing literally just happened uh, at live the day before that people pretend like it didn't happen. But uh, also Rom chirping at a fan for not having their phone on silent while music is just absolutely blasting. I don't, think, awesome. I don't think with yeah. 500 million, you get to tell fans to turn their phones off anymore. I don't think he has fully grasped the, the new environment that he's playing again rom hit some bad 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 shots coming down the stretch did you guys just watch his interview bad with, wedges bad like just awful did you guys stuff. watch his interview with dylan to chair golf.com uh youtube video uh not yet but i would like to i should i should put that on my list yeah. this week it, did you watch it? Uh, it's, uh, yeah i did um you're, you're probably fine i mean it's 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 kind of even more sad of just like yeah, man, like when they put a bunch of money in front of you, like it, it does change things. I know I said that, but like when they actually do it, I owe it to my family. It's like, all right, yeah, you are doing the opposite of selling me on this product. Like you're just saying out loud that you're doing this all for the money. I can't and, tell you how much I didn't want to do it, man, but yeah, I had to. Yeah, uh, it was It was just it's very... It's back to like, what would you do? I don't know. I mean, probably the same thing, but it still sucks. Like yeah. I, I suck, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I look myself in the mirror. I, I like... <laughs> I'm a fucking no one, loser. No one, no one hates me more than me. Trust me. <laughs> yes, right. You know, like I mean, don't. Yeah, don't put that back on me. You're supposed to be my hero, brother. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it, it's gonna get weird with Liv here. Like now, like I think this was their their window, I guess. And again, it couldn't have worked out much better for Mayakoba. Um, yeah, and you know, Vegas Super Bowl week was supposed to be this big scene. I mean, there was a fair amount of people out there on Saturday, but. I didn't feel like there was a huge scene out there, and I don't think they're going to, as I said, I don't think they're going to crush it in ratings this week. But next is King Abdullah Economic City. I refuse to say Live Jetta. Um, March 1 through 3, that won't be live in the U.S. Uh, on, and I'm going off television. I'm sure you can watch I think you can watch it on the app um, live. But, again, they don't show 
for all the TV problems uh, that they claim to have solved with this, like they don't show their product live uh, when it's international. Uh, Hong Kong is the next week. That also won't be live in the U.S. Then you go to Miami, April 5th through 7th. That's up against the Final Four. Um, then you have Adelaide, which also is in the middle of the night in the U.S., won't be live. Singapore, May 3 through 5. That's middle of the night, won't be live. Houston is June 7th through 9th, the Swamp Ass Invitational. That's up against Memorial, um, a, a signature event. And then Nashville, June 21 through 23, is up against Travelers. I'm getting this off, this, uh, getting this off somebody from Reddit. I hope they have all this right, by the way. Um, Andalusia goes up against the Scottish and also won't be live in the U.S. London uh, wouldn't be, won't be live on TV in the U.S., I don't think. Uh, again, because I think they always have to broadcast it in that 115 window on TV. Uh, and then Greenbrier, August 16th through 18th, is up against St. Jude, uh, which is a signature event and playoff event or whatever you want to call it. That's their so next 10 events. I uh, totally co-sign that they should finish on Saturdays. That's a great idea. I, I also, I'm going to push back, though. I, I know they're, I'm not in the in the uh, management room, but I think it's, I'm actually curious to see how the international events do as far as crowds go. And I think it might be one of those things where like, if the crowds are awesome, you could see the live management high-fiving, like see, see the party we created. I think yeah. this is much more of a, are we creating a live awesome environment? Like, you know, what, what happened at Adelaide last year will be celebrated as a win, as it should be. And so maybe that's the, um, that's the opportunity for him is to, to go international and, and, you know, get a bunch of people to go to the event. Two things with that, though. One, that, that's not that hard to do when you, like, host concerts, like, at night, right? And has outdoor events, right? And if that was, like, the through line of, like, their goal for all of this, sure. Like, that, that they would be very successful in that. It's obviously not the goal in this. They wouldn't have as many events in the U.S. as they do. They wouldn't be after a television market in the U.S. like they are. They wouldn't, you know, it's clearly what they actually want out of this. That's one. Two, again, it's not even the full theme of all of these international events. Go listen to Phil's interview he did on Pat McAfee's show. He basically made the point that, like, the business model for Live is to sell these events to tourism boards. Like, that's what the Singapore event, like, there's no one that goes to the Singapore event. He's like, you don't understand. We made like, we make like tens of millions of dollars off that event. Like that is not that, you know, like they're not kind of doing this, making this amazing environment in each spot. It is, you know, they're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants and on a whim, moving this here and there. I don't know. It's not, it's not, uh, I don't know what that changes. If you have a good, well, if, a, a, if a strong in-person event, we'd have to talk to somebody from, from live, but if the goal is TV ratings, then they're doing it wrong. They should, they, they like based on the list you just provided in, like it's pretty obvious to just end it on Saturdays. Feels like a, I don't know why you're trying to go head to head with established sporting events on the, you know, just kind of on the like U.S. calendar. Not only golf events, but just like Final Four, all that stuff. You're absolutely right about that. So, I'll, I. I think like like everything, and you could make this claim for I think the worst, like the bottom of the barrel PJ Tour events as well. But I mean, I'm trying to think in my head. I'm like, all right, well, what would change my mind? And like, what would make me want to watch? What would make me want to watch highlights? What would make me want to see what's going on? And I think the only thing still remains like context for the majors, right? Like the Joaquin Neiman thing is a good example of like, ah, you know what? Maybe you could convince me if I squint. Like, yeah, maybe he should get an exemption in the Masters. Playing really good golf, young talent, like global player, seems like that. That's Latin. You know, Won a national open, Latin yeah, that, champ too. Like that's an Augusta that, thing, and that's a good example. But um, it's like it all 
it all ladders up to the context of the majors. Like on its own, it, it truly is meaningless totally. to me. And and I, I just I don't know what's going to change that anytime soon. Better golf courses unless they get the, the, the golf course. Everybody. We don't talk enough about how trash yeah. the golf courses are. Like it's it's awful. I mean, it would be like the fortieth and over ranked golf courses on the PGA Tour. My couple was one of, one of those golf courses on the PGA Tour, literally. And Las Vegas Country Club was even worse. Man, it is. We started the show talking about Phoenix, like being an incredible stage and and historical place for golf. Like it gives us moments. Like that's just not going to happen at the places that they're going to. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spend much time on this one, but came out that uh, advisors uh, could face uh, the live advisors could face twenty years in Saudi Arabian prison if they comply with U.S. investigation uh, into the PGA Tour and live golf dealings. So. That's cool. Um, you know, just threatening your advisors with with jail. Uh, God, this great. yeah, this is what I. Fun. That's one of those headlines you see. And you're like, man, lots changed. We do this ten years. Lots changed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a very much a, one. I didn't think leopards would eat my face. Said person who <laughs> voted for the leopards eating face pop party. Like, how could we have seen this coming? Uh, all I'll, all I'll say, I, I guess the the year of reaping uh, is is off to a good start you know let's say listen to the trap drop goals goals podcast but uh seems like a lot of people reaping what they sow right like i i you know i think saudi arabia probably has every every right to have some sort of nda clause in their in their contracts about like hey you if you sign this deal you cannot share these what we're sharing with anybody under any circumstances under very serious punishments like it, go ahead and put that in the contract i would kind of look at the people who signed that contract and say like hey man if it if it comes time to you know side with uh either your your bosses or uh you know it sounds it says here there's a u.s senate investigation going on that doesn't like what you're doing i, I would maybe think twice about signing those deals but uh you know I'm sure they'll figure it all out. And again, I'm sure there's listeners that are screaming into their phones like this is a global product. It's all about the global thing. Like again, it's not like they want to do business in the US. That's why they have as many events in the US as they do. And that's why the US is looking into this deal, right? That's why US law is gonna be applicable here and why this is actually being investigated at the US level. And yeah, it's but but I don't know if this changes anything for you guys. A bunch of people got really rich off this, mm. uh, made a ton of money. Right, so I don't know if that changes anything for you as a golf fan, because uh, I just. But can you, I, can you confirm whether or not anyone got the bag? <laughs> uh, I cannot disclose that. Right, uh, that's, and that's you know redacted. what? Good for them. That's sure. that's great. You know what's actually I'm I'm interested to see is the but, uh, oh good for them, but also like if the U.S. Senate comes asking questions like that, you got to kind of deal with that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right, like uh, I think that's maybe what gets lost in that second half of the conversation. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's maybe some strings. Like, yeah, attached. there's maybe some consequences, some strings yeah. attached. Yeah, which which makes the Rom getting upset about the, uh, the like music and stuff like even funnier. It's like, but yeah. that might just well, be like the tip of the iceberg, my guy. It isn't the consequences of my own actions. Last thing I had was Carlos Ortiz was on golf subpar, um, just emphasizing what we already knew that the, that the players were told that they would get world ranking points, uh, and of course have not gotten that, which just kind of made me sad. But also leopard eating face party uh conversation um on the back on the pga tour side uh we got some like the big lebowski when those guys cut their toes off because they think they're gonna get a million dollars uh on the pga tour side some news that came out this week uh in a memo sent to pga tour players um 
following news of the investment coming from SSG, uh, the PGA Tour Enterprises is uh, issuing equity grants to four different groups of players. The first group consists of $750 million in aggregate equity that will be granted to 36 players based on career performance, last five-year performance, and player impact results. My question to you guys, 36 players, where do you, where do you think the cutoff is in that who, who's who's 37 on this list? Who's the Colin Morikawa of the PIP uh, that's getting cut off from this and, and going to have a, a, a big qualm here? Well, I got, I I got a lot more questions back to you of like, what is is the recent performance weighted or is it just a true average of the last five years? Probably a little bit of an right. aging schedule, right? Yeah, because um, like a guy like uh, Wyndham Clark then is just, would be like, you know, wasn't wasn't doing a whole lot you know, years one to three, and then the last year and a half, he's been really, really good. So does he, does that put him in the thirties, right? Or, or is, if he's getting weighted because of recency, I don't want to call it bias, but like his performance recently, you know, he's a top 10 player. It's um, a good question. I would I, initially describing this, I would definitely say Clark would be in this group, right? Major champion, two signature events on top of that. I'm, I would guess, and I do not have any intel, and this is a truly a total guess. It's just like a point system of like major championship is worth this. PJ Tour win is worth this. Signature uh, event is worth this. PIP is worth blah, blah, blah. Like some measurements as to what kind of impact you've actually had on things. It's probably pretty messy, of course, but uh, I don't know. If you're not in the top 36, I think that's probably pretty evident and you probably don't have too much of a, a, a beef with this. But... Again, the idea. I bet there's some bubble guys, though. I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, man, um, Sam Burns probably in this. I would say right? so. Yeah, I would say so. Probably, uh, but I'd say he's probably in the in the 20s. I mean, how about a guy like Daniel Berger? Played really, really well, uh, but he's been that's hurt. What's, that's what's wild about this is injuries and how they kind of, you know, cut a hole in your uh, in your body of work. Also worth noting in this, and I don't have the exact language in front of me, was basically that these these are going to be on some kind of a vesting schedule. This is not just something that gets to you right away and that you can go sell, right? And I still don't know exactly how these are going to work. From talking to a couple people, it sounds like uh, they don't know exactly how this equity, you know, can the value in this can be realized, right? How do you, can you turn it into cash? Um, I've heard a couple different ideas of how, you know, you might have the option to kind of sell the equity on an annual basis or something like that, but, um, it's not, I'm guessing that would be sold back to other members or future members or past, like, or just PJ tour enterprises in general or enterprises or other investors, but I'm keeping it in, in the. There, there's a Close. lot, yeah. There's a lot of questions still to come with PGA Tour Enterprises, right? And I think a lot of people are still thinking of this as the PGA Tour, when in reality, I think the PGA Tour Enterprise business uh, is about to just become like the golf business. Like, I think, if I was to guess, uh, I said this last week as well, PGA Tour Enterprises, and again, don't think of that as the PGA Tour, but that company is probably going to go around and start buying up some properties, such as the Ryder yeah. Cup, some some of the biggest events. Uh, in golf, I have no idea what their interest would be in the LPGA Tour or golf resorts or what it might be, but it, they're going to get in the business of golf outside of, uh, you know, just the 501c6 of the PGA Tour. I don't know if they're looking at that with like, oh, we could, you know, just with a with a few tweaks, we could make this thing double in audience size. I don't think that's where the, the gains are going to come from in this company, right? So in theory, Roy McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, all these guys are going to share in the equity growth of this overarching company that is going to be investing in all these other properties. And it's going to be on some kind of investing schedule to the point where 
it should, in theory, retain them on the PGA Tour, playing on the PGA Tour, and not jumping over to live. Um, and that group one, 750 million, they're getting, you know, that's, that's a, a lot of money. Because like the next to, 64 in group two yeah. gets 75 million in aggregate equity, and that's based on the last three years' performance. Um, Which then, is, God, that's, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Uh, but God, if you had a breakout year this year or next year, is you kind of, it's timing is everything, right? Yeah. Like and it goes smaller. Like you, is there, I mean, let me let you get through it. So group yeah. three is group three is uh, 30 million in aggregate equity. And it's granted to 57 players who have earned uh, certain fully exempt PJ tour status categories. And group four uh, consists of 75 million in aggregate equity and be granted to 36 players who were instrumental in building the modern PGA tour based on career performance. So that's like a legends that's an category one. It is. Yeah, but th- that that one's almost more interesting than the first category of like pick pick your 36 legends. Yeah. You know, because that's where it can get interesting of like arguing about like who is better, you know. That's like, what uh, do you have to be alive for that too? Something. I don't mean to be morbid, but like Arnold Palmer's yeah. estate probably it, should have a say have in that. A, yeah, I think it would have to be a state. Yeah, I would certainly think so. Um Anyways, and I, then I just wonder if there's so that's it, right? There's no, uh, there's no. Are they saving? I I gotta think they're saving a. a there's a group five of future hitters. There is. So there's going to be some recurring player equity grants that are incremental to the initial grants, and then in the aggregate of six hundred million dollars are planned to be awarded in the amounts of a hundred million each year, starting with twenty twenty five season and continuing through the twenty thirty PGA Tour season at a minimum. It's that it's important to note all PGA Tour members are eligible to receive recurring grants regardless of whether or not they received an initial grant. Uh, these recurring grants will reward future top performance performers and will be based on last three year performance, last year performance, and player impact results. How about this, man? Just some good old golden handcuffs. Hey, man, you know you, it strongly exceeds expectation. Why don't we toss a little stock your way? Like some RSUs, restricted restricted stock units. Come on, they're going to invest over four years now, so don't spend it all at once. Okay, that's the whole thing. We got to figure out what the KPIs are. Right. Yeah, There's no well, details. The best, How are we going to investing schedule is very important to know. Exactly. I also think that the what is the pool of of the equity is only good if if you can get it liquid. And so if it's just being able to sell it back to the the monolith golf business as as we were just discussing, that's probably not a great marketplace. Now, if you could sell it secondary to other players, or you know, there's that probably is a little bit better of a marketplace. But all of that is very interesting. Of like. How do you cash this out if you're a player to make it like, because, you know, they, these guys aren't like business mavens. Like, how many dollars is this? Like, real <laughs> hard, cold cash, brother. Yeah. I think that's the important thing, too. At least, like, I'm sure most people get this, but they're not walking into a room and like dividing up $700 million, $900 million, right? Like, in cash. Like it, it is, no. it is, you know what I mean? It's a lot of the, the people that that's kind of how the early reports made it sound a little bit was like Scotty Scheffler, direct deposit, $45 million, $70 million, $80 million. Whatever. It's like, well, that that's not exactly it. No, it's and all it's, off of valuation. That's a little, you know, $12 billion. It kind of made up like, totally. you know, somebody's best guess at it, an educated made up guess, but that doesn't basically, I don't know. Private equity, all these guys are probably thinking 10 years from now, we take it public or something like that. You know, like that's how you get, you, you know, take a long-term perspective if you're the players. But a lot of, lot of devil in the details with this stuff, man. 
way more questions than answers. The If I was to distill it down, though, it would be, one, does this retain the talent that already exists at the PGA Tour level? Does it keep you there, right? Is it an appealing enough offer to, you know, if somebody comes dangling, you know, 50 million bucks in front of Wyndham Clark and, and he doesn't take, doesn't want to take it, you know, is it enough, right? And I, in theory, it helps. I, I think it helps mentally. Um, so it's, it's definitely a step in the right direction from that standpoint of, of giving at least the, um, the idea of a war chest or future value can be very powerful. Well, it's like a lot of these dudes, especially in group one, they haven't, I would think, have enough cash that like if you got a cash payment, you're going to go invest it in something, right? Whatever it might be. Rory's invested in Whoop, uh, blah, blah, blah. All these guys are investing in a lot of different stuff. Might just be mutual funds for all you know. Who, who knows? But you're not, you don't need $300, $300 million sitting in your bank account. Like that's not, uh, you know, even if it is a high yield savings account, that's not the best place to park your money. So having it parked in a place where you are also invested in driving the value for it and like, most of my equity is tied up within our company, right? Like that's, it's, and it's what I do with my career. Like it's what I do every day. Like having a stake in what you're doing, um, I, I, that, I feel like that could be somewhat meaningful to guys, right? And, and you know, you're no longer, I don't know if you're technically no longer an independent contractor, but like you are now rowing in the same direction with a group of guys with some actual tangible something you can tie to it. That's different than how this thing has been structured for eternity to date. I think that is where this gets like the most interesting to me as a as a golf fan. Like the how you structure the business and how you structure the equity and liquidation, all that stuff is like way over my head. And who knows how most of that's? I don't even know how that stuff would work like with our own company, candidly. So <laughs> I'm the wrong, wrong person to ask on that. Uh, but I think that the uh, with these guys, I think what's really interesting. You heard a couple guys kind of sort of start to sniff at this point. Morikawa kind of mentioned this at pebble in his press conference it's like man when you give colin morikawa for example a massive chunk of equity into pj tour enterprises essentially like does that make him uh more likely to wear a microphone on the golf course right does that make him more likely to change the structure towards something that's more fan friendly does that make it like because the the theory would track that this stuff might be worth x today and they want to make it worth y 30 years from now when they can liquidate it. And right. Can, and the only reason that that's going to happen is if the product gets astronomically better. I was going to say, can I pause you right here just to say items number one through 100 in importance on this list are, can we get everyone back together playing yes. on the same golf tournaments? Let's yeah. And we'll get into some comments from JT and, and Scotty that kind of made it seem like that's going to be harder than we'd like, but Hey, Live guys got a bag of money to go do that, whatever. They sued the tour. They left. Whatever. There's hurt feelings. I get it. This is your guy's bag, right? Everyone got a bag that's outsized compared to the value you provide for hitting a white golf ball. It does. Can we just move past it all, get back on the field together, the, the golf course together, and, and, and playing the sport together, competing like the way this is supposed to be? Like That is the only thing I care about in all of this. It is the only thing that matters, and some of the quotes I heard this week are troubling in that regard, and makes me I have some questions about the structure of PGA Tour enterprises and player involvement and all that and making this harder than it needs to be to get everyone back together but I didn't mean to interrupt you there other than to say like that is the thing here that is of the utmost importance well and that's where I, I think is it that's kind of where I was finishing is like it, it that's what gets most interesting to me is like where the rubber meets the road on these types of decisions because I think in theory 
if you're writing all this out in a proposal, like it makes a ton of sense, right? Like you are now personally invested in making the product better. But I think there's a pretty funny like devil in the details there about like, well, I'm not wearing the mic unless he's wearing the mic. And why should I? Why now I'm doing all the work? What well, why does he get well, what percent does he have versus what I have? And I'm I'm growing this thing more than he like that's where these guys are gonna start like ripping each other apart and stabbing each other in the back. And I'm I'm kind of here for that a little bit. I think really more uh, like age agents than than players, probably. But like that's where this can all get a little hairy and messy and kind of funny, is is when that stuff starts to the rubber meets the road on that. But I think if you're being an optimist there's probably a lot to like as a fan just from a, you know, at least now they have a reason to grab the steering wheel and actually, you know, take control and do some better stuff. But again, just like these guys are not business mavens uh, to, to quote you guys, like they're also not entertainment mavens either. So it's like all of this, like wrestling for board seats and we want to be in control. We want to be in the room. We want to make all the decisions. It's like, well, you guys are like, great putters you're not good at any of this other shit though. some of them just okay actually yeah yeah some of you aren't even good at that uh but yeah that's where it gets really interesting i'm like man you still need like non-golfer people in the room to like make these decisions and, and make the product better because i've heard some of their ideas and it's it ain't it i don't think so can i can i merge two things here Read a couple quotes from JT and Scotty. Uh, JT said, I would say there's a, uh, this is from this week, I would say there's a handful of players on live that would make the tour a better place, but I'm definitely not in the agreement that they should just be able to come back that easily. I think there's a lot of us that made sacrifices. I would have a hard time with it, parentheses, welcoming back players to live without a penalty. Scotty said they did kind of leave. They left our tour. That's just part of it. There should be a pathway back for them, but they definitely shouldn't be able to come back without any sort of contribution to the tour. That's that's one of those like in a vacuum. I I again totally see where you're coming from on that. Mickelson et al was something that reverberated through the halls of Ponte Vedra and through the tour. Like that, some dudes took that really obviously took that really personally for good reason. That was a fucked up thing that happened. That is you know that that's gonna be like the part that's gonna be the hardest to mend. Yet it makes no sense if like to continue this battle on and not have the best player. Oh, we said this a million times. Not have the best players playing at the same time so you guys got to get over it you got your bag you got paid sorry tough shit like you can't keep talking like independent contractors anymore like you just you, you can't i i i don't love it i've evolved on this thought i mean i thought they're kind of I, I said there should be some kind of either punishment or an equalization fund of some kind when i said that on june 6 like this this equity is the equalization fund all right you, let's you go and jesson were saying that exactly I expect to be rewarded. Uh, you got it. Go fucking play, guys. Like we're, this well, is the part. I just wish you know. I think the golf world fans at large are just. It's like yeah, some people got more, but I think all you guys have enough. You're good. Yeah, like you guys are. You know, so yeah, like there's gonna be some ego problems. But. Well, so that's where I want to get to the structure of PGA Tour Enterprises, though. Is a lot of dudes that seem to be in this same camp of like, nah, dog, this ain't gonna be that easy. Like the players have massive representation on PGA Tour Enterprises. I think seven seats, if I counted right, which is like all the PGA Tour board of directors. Um, plus, I forget who it is. Plus, uh, plus one other player. I think is is it. I don't have that. I don't know if that's even. Final. I couldn't tell if it was six or seven either. Okay, but either way, it's a majority. It is a majority, right? And it's of of. You know, the Cantlays, the Tigers that are, like, really taking this live stuff kind of personal and not in a huge hurry to, to you know, to mend fences, if you will. It's, it's a problem with 
like the whole entire again the structure going forward like I don't hear a lot of these guys talking about Rory's the only guy here saying we all need to get back together and play competitive golf and Rory doesn't have a seat anymore well that's my whole thing right is like people hate Rory for it by the way also like again just trying to to take this like block by block is like okay everybody wants equity so you can drive the value of your own product and be rewarded accordingly perfect I'm with you that equity only gets better and and bigger and more valuable if the product gets better great with you awesome okay here's where we're gonna hit our first roadblock is like you fucking people are like the reason the product like a big 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 (laughs) chunk of the reason why the product has sucked the last like 10 20 years is because you guys are like and a a lot of it's the independent contractor and why would i do that if not i'm not getting paid and blah 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 but like Trust me, man. We're worked at the tour for a long time. It's not a shortage of ideas. There, there are smart people bringing good ideas to players. A lot of bad ideas as well, certainly. But there's a lot of good ideas that would make things better, and a lot of it does get shot down by the players. And so it, it gets really. It's just going to be really fascinating to see, like, basically who's advising these guys, who's around them, who's telling them what they should and shouldn't do, and. I don't know. Again, I keep using that phrase, but like when push comes to shove and and it becomes like, hey, there's two offers in front of you. Like, will you do this to like make the product better this week or will you not because you have to go chip or you have to go do an ice bath or you have to go do whatever? Like, it's not just as easy as like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we'll just like get around to making it better. Like, you're going to have to inconvenience yourself a little bit. And I'm just really fascinated to see whether that happens or not. Clarifying, this is a tweet from Sean Zock. The, the PJ Tour Enterprise is a 13-person board, uh, seven players, which is six policy board directors, um, the four SSG heads, which is John Henry, Andy Cohen, Sam Kennedy, and Arthur Blank, the PJ Tour commissioner, um, which is a Jay Monahan for now, and one additional director from the PJ Tour policy board. So I think that that seven total players on there, the six po- uh, policy board di- player directors plus an additional director from the policy board. Seven seat, seven of thirteen, which is obviously the majority uh, on the. Uh, that, that, I think that could play a factor in how policy gets made. I really do, and that's obviously intentional. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's really interesting push and pull with all of, like I think the best, other than just like cold hard cash, like the best selling point for the SSG guys getting involved is like a lot of these guys have have cracked this code and they've made their product super entertaining and they've made it super fan friendly and very optimized and very like they've done a great job at that but they're also in kind of like this you know owner employee structure like we'll let you know when you have media time and we'll let you know when to be where which certainly has plenty of of downsides as as well but it, it, there's a really interesting push and pull between those guys being in the room and the tour players kind of uh you know probably want to dig their heels a little bit on keeping the status quo so maybe that all nets out to a good spot but it, it's it's going to be interesting all right, let's move towards uh, towards wrapping this. A couple things to mention before I know Neil wants to wants to bring us home here. But um, there was a fifty 50- with a happy note with a, yeah. with, a, with a I want to celebrate. Yeah, it's a happy note. Fifty seven on the Corn Ferry Tour this week from Cristobal del Solar. Um, Aldrich, I want to know if it was preferred lies or not. Aldrich po- Aldrich <laughs> Pogger from somebody on that shot a fifty nine at the same course this week. It is a sixty two hundred yard course at nine thousand feet of altitude. Just presenting the information, of course, not downplaying the fact that somebody shot a fifty seven. Um and a uh, lot of lot of radi- just an, yeah, a bit of a red tea challenge there, which is sweet. 
epic week. Just you have to shout out all four of his rounds. You see what he did the other days? Yes. Go ahead. 50, 57, 69, 75, 63. Bit <laughs> oh, of yeah. bit of a microwave, man, there, Neil. That that one fifty seven was the only round at that one course too. The other three. You could were probably sign me up though if if some t- tournament wanted to, you know, create an identity a la waste management. Do a red tea challenge. Yeah, we're gonna bring all the best players in the world. We're gonna, we're gonna move the teas way up. And Just we, one round. It is. Yeah, I love that. That, that could yeah. be uh, could be interesting. No bad ideas for the uh, new equity holders. Exactly. Uh, Randy's, uh, I believe Randy's comment was. Uh, this is how he felt when Sammy Sosa hit 64 home runs in the 2001 season. It's just kind of getting a little, little, little ridiculous in this era of ball go far. So, um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, w- I wish them all the best. Only other thing I had was the um, uh, congrats to everyone involved with the Good Good Desert Classic, which uh, aired on Peacock and YouTube on was it Wednesday night? I forget what it was. Um, I chimed. I, so. I, I tuned in. I wasn't able to watch a lot of it, but tuned in for uh, a, a few minutes here and there, and saw ninety thousand people were streaming it live uh, on YouTube um, while it was also airing on another app. Which I'm I'm told another sports league uh, that that you know that's why nobody's watching it on YouTube is everyone is watching on this app that not very many people have downloaded. But uh, gotta wonder if you spend a couple billion on a on a sports league and you watch. Uh, the good, good desert classic outdo you by about five x on uh, on YouTube. That's I, you gotta wonder how that makes you feel. Like that's just gotta be it's just tough. That's so sick. It really uh, is so that's sick. Unbelievable, man. <laughs> shout out to shout out, those guys have built a Massive. absolute behemoth, man. It's 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 fantastic. Okay, DJ, as the as the video guy on our side, what if I threw something at you like, hey, we want to do a live broadcast? What what would that what would that even look like? How would how would that even come to fruition? Which I understand NBC Golf Channel was in, involved yeah. in, in doing all that, which credit to them. I mean, that's, listen, they're probably about 10 years too late getting in the alternative golf uh, media space, but uh, it's cool to see, uh, the, you know, it kind of that kind of event getting the weight put behind that. So congrats Hell to everyone yeah. involved there. That's great. And I, I think it, yeah, at the at the risk of making too too sweeping of a, a point here, I think that there's, there's something really interesting as all this money gets splashed around pro golf and you see exactly what you just said, Solly, a billion dollars get spent for some league that a hundred thousand people are, are watching at like looking at some of these organic things that have sprung up like the good, good guys. And just seeing that like, man, people want to watch golf. They do not want to watch specific golfers other than like two or three. And it just really seems like there's, there's probably some sleeping giants from, from that perspective uh so i, I don't know I, I, all these like tour players who are I, I don't know a lot of the like i i demand to be made whole uh types of comments over the past year are just like dude there's more people watching the good good guys than know your fucking name so i i would just tr- I, I think i would tread lightly as i see things like that start to explode more and more all right neil bring For us sure. home uh well listen i'm gonna kick it off a little house ad we missed it earlier but this episode is also presented by the no laying up pro shop the reason i bring it up is because we released some new headwear uh including some foot joy beanies some corduroy uh script rope hats we got some good stuff in the shop right now we also did an early sneak peek at our holderness and born spring apparel uh and a restock on our best-selling t-shirts hoodies and quarter zips from level wear so that's store.nolayingup.com and check it out Right now, through Friday, uh, this Friday, 216, 
spend at least 50 bucks and you can add any multi-print towel to your order just enter the code nlu pod at checkout hey okay hell yeah so add the towel 50 bucks add the towel add the code nlu pod and watch that towel become free this is going to be limited to one use per customer can't combine it with any of the discounts. Can you no stack stacking. codes? No, no it's freaking stacking. You know, think about stack codes. And this offer ends. This offer ends Friday, February sixteenth. Uh, so yeah, that's store.nolangup.com. All right. So there is a, a man named John Minium, and we've discussed him on this podcast <laughs> in the past. And this is one of my favorite things every year. Uh, he is, uh, I believe, he just turned sixty, and he's been doing. Um, what he calls the year in review of his just golf year. Uh, I, I think this might be year like 11 or 12. I know it's over 10 years. Um, there, it's only physical copies, which is probably my favorite thing. Uh, so he <laughs> mails it to me. He used to mail it to the kill house and mail, mail nice enough to mail one to me here in Brooklyn. Do, if you do want to real, follow real him quick, digitally. Do you know how you originally got on the list? Did uh, no, up? it was, these were, it, there were like two or three of them in the downstairs bathroom in the kill house. So they were there like before, yeah, he must have, have sent them to the must have sent to house a, point. a long time ago. And I was like, yo, have you guys ever looked at these? And then I was, I think I was, you know, kind of having a sit down one day. And I was like, what is, what is this year in review thing? I think I'd looked at the cover a million times and picked it up. And it's just this really like detailed breakdown of his golf game. Um, so his, <laughs> his Instagram he does have an Instagram handle and it's JDM underscore year underscore in underscore review. You know, not maybe not the easiest thing we try to put in the show notes, uh, but there's no digital copy of Super Bowl commercial. So I'll try to take some pics this week and and maybe, you know, give people a visual of it. But I want to go through my top 10 favorites parts of it this year, because now I have this context. I look at it. This is like, you know, year five that I, I go through it in detail. So just to show you, like, it, it's what, 10 pages, five pages. No, no. Uh, yeah, 10 pages plus. So starts off with. uh Total rounds played 121.5, which is just like so much golf, number one. Like, I, I still have never played over 100 rounds a year. That's just awesome. And he has a career uh, career high of 77 different courses this year. Um, and he's got that, like, flamed with an arrow uh, in, in the sheet. There's all these graphics. It's like, you know, it's it's awesome. And it's so he's, he lists, like, basically you can compare it to – oh, so it's – no, this is – sorry, not 10 years. It's uh, 23. 21 years he's been doing this. Jeez. So 2002 is the first year. And he's got all the, the years listed in, in a graph. 2002 is 10 um, years ago, Neil. That's the, you were right the first time, I think. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it. Um, so, I, and I can't go through all the details or we'll be here all night because it's it's dense, but it's it's awesome with all the graphics. So second, second thing I love, low score this year, 75, high score, 97, with a 2023 handicap of 7.0. Uh, a career low of only one 36-hole day this year. But fifty four percent of his rounds were walked, and twenty five percent of those rounds were played alone. Uh, I and I, I do want to give a shout out to Brett and to Tony. Those were the two most most loyal playing partners this year. Thirty six <laughs> rounds for Brett and twenty nine rounds for Tony, respectively. Uh, we had ninety one lost balls this year, which was fifteen percent more lost balls uh, oh. than in twenty twenty three. Wow, one hundred and eight oh, round, rounds were up too. Rounds were up. Uh, 108 birdies. Hark, Randy, hear this. 108 birdies. That's 0.89 birdies per round, and he had two eagles uh, this year. Longest stretch without golf. What do you guys think it was? Mm, I'm I'm looking at it right now, so I'll I say roughly, I'll say 100 days. 
<laughs> uh, nine days. He did that Whoa. three times this year. Uh, let's see. Career high. This is one of my favorite categories. Career high, 14 free rounds. So I want to <laughs> put a call out to the NLU community. Let's get my guy, Mr. Minium, 15 plus free ones in 2024. Okay? that's We can all do that as a, as a group. I love that one. Uh, career high, high 14 played 14 free rounds. 14 free rounds. He highlighted them. Actually, I'll, I'll read a couple out because he had them like listed in here. Uh, <laughs> he said, uh, thanks to Lincoln D, Uncle Tom, Dr. J, KJR, Danielle M, uh, the UF shop worker. Uh, and then he snuck on. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Don't tell, yeah, don't tell anybody. Uh, which, which is good stuff. Uh, let's see. What, oh, four, so we got 14 career uh, free round or career high. So career high played uh, golf in 22 different states this year. So that's many. unbelievable. Looks so like a couple many. rounds in Hawaii. So it sounds like, sounds like our guy John will travel. He will travel to play. So again, Hark, hear this. We're, we're, let's get in some free rounds. Um, let's see. And then uh, he has a, the back page uh, is 18 questions. So he's got all these. He, he opens them up to, I guess, you know, the – the his, his followers. So TC snuck in a question in the back section. He asked, "What? Which you guys are gonna love? What was the worst hole you played in 2023?" Uh, and he said, "The opener at Lake Geneva uh, Palmer Course." And I will read that's, the answer here. That's tough. Uh, that's, that's my neck of the woods there. The opener at Lake Geneva Palmer Course. Green slopes massively from back to front. Stupid! Exclamation <laughs> point. I'll give you a course too. East Potomac in DC. It's set to have a doke redo paid for by the National Links Trust. The problem is that after two years, they're still awaiting approval for the renovations by the same government agency that hired them, the National Park Service. Gotta love the government. Hmm. So I'm it, looking at a flyover the first hole. Oh, my God, is that a bad hole? At, at Lake Geneva? Yes. Yeah, so great submission there. It's like um, uh, the fifth hole at Muirfield Village, but on a smaller scale. And like a, you cross a creek twice, and there's a little island fair, like an island... Fairway that makes absolutely no sense. I'm with John on this one. Looks like he, uh, some of the others, so still no ace, huh? Yeah, so that's zero. Uh, so he's never had an ace. Never made life. an ace? No, so that's, that's, uh, he tracks that. Um, another question here anything jump out at you from the year in review? First time ever I played a hole in par for the year, 18 south at the Legends. Uh, you wouldn't think it'd be that hard. So I guess the stats for that hole, he played an even par, which is, which is cool. So it's just the, the, the reason I love this. Where, is, where's this guy based? He's based That's in Tennessee. Le okay. uh, the Legends is his home oh, course. So he has it. like home versus away rounds. So he played 46% of his rounds at home this year and 54% away. Um, and I mean, you guys could throw a question at me. Like are, if you're curious about, like it's probably in here. Um, but what I, I think is sweet is like, is John, I aspire going to live. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I aspire to, to keep stats like this as anyone that's listened to our goals pod knows and it's just the dedication it takes to do this and i guess it's really not that hard it's like you know you're keeping the same stats every round but like then to go back and put it together in a recap like this i just think is like i don't know man i just i i admire it i love it i get a kick out of it and he always sends it it's got a picture he's got this signature pose of him it's always a picture and i'll post a, a, a an image of it uh of him doing a follow through swing at his, I you know most scenic course or favorite course of the year. So it's just like all the issues, almost like the golfers journal. They all have the same type of cover, and so they all fit together. It's it's just it's the best. And so I wanted to celebrate that because I get a kick out of it every year when I when I get this year in review. Hell yeah! 
I love it. I need to I need to get on the mailing list here in Milwaukee. That'd be a good, yeah, uh, I, good bright spot for the winter. Well, so I I was I was you know DMing with him, and I'm I'm like, is there a digital version? He's like, no, the hard copy is the best way to experience it. And I'm like, well, I don't want to I don't want you to get flooded with requests for it. You know, like I I I, but it's it's sweet. So if you do end up on the mailing list, consider yourself lucky. There are so year in review numbers. There's 270 people on the mailing list. Um. And again, his his Instagram is JDM underscore year underscore in underscore review. Um, and yeah, that's it. Uh, I have two shout outs to give as we go to wrap. If you watched our um, our video from the Asia Pacific Amateur, two, two guys featured in that video went absolutely apeshit this week. Uh, Kazuma Kabori turned professional since that event, and he has won for the third time in four weeks. Since turning professional, he is a freak. He doesn't move it. He has 160 ball speed, and I'm super curious how his uh, career is going to play out. But uh, And also, Windy Ding, who was in the playoff with Jasper Stubbs, he shot 27 under to win the uh, the uh, Amar Ari Invitational by nine strokes. Uh, and the dude is an absolute freak at hitting the golf ball. Um, so it's uh, just a what's couple cool, careers are worth at? following. Arizona State. Man. Uh, last thing, a couple shout outs too. We got to give a shout out to our guy, hard K oh, Fred gosh, X yeah. cup, uh, alumnus for my, 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 uh, inaugural squad. Love that guy. I, you know, uh, of course the, the tour and, and it, feel good story is going to get beat into submission, but man, electric interview, uh, on Sunday. So Jimmy Knost was, uh, it's last PJ tour event Monday qualified in, uh, to the, uh, waste management. And then played played his ass off, and I think he shot finished at seven under or eight under, and, th- and now he's going to take a, a real job. I think he's going to work with with Ping. Um, but what a send off for him! And then secondly, Bud Colley, uh coming back from what three year hiatus with with injuries and making the cut and and having a really strong showing. Amen to that. Uh, very happy for Hard K. It was a great story. They did a great job with that, and uh, and, and yeah, it was uh, Bud. Very excited for Bud. We got to we got to get an answer for what he was thinking with his shot in the seventeen. He tried a, an opposite-handed shot. <laughs> yeah, that was from right tough. in front of the water. And it went directly in the water. Uh, it looked like he lost a bet and had to try that or something. But uh, <laughs> that'll be a fun story to follow. So, guys, I'm exhausted. One o six a.m. here uh, on the East Coast. It is bedtime, uh, and we have Genesis this week. We'll have uh, a happy hour show on Wednesday. This week, four p.m. Eastern time is when we, that's when we did our first one. I assume that's when we're going to do that one this week, but we're going to plan on that. And uh, we will announce that this week. And then we'll, of course, be live on Sunday night after uh, the Genesis. Got Tiger coming uh, this week. So it is uh, probably Solid. the best, best week of the year. So excited yeah. for that. Oh, good. So, and right. maybe maybe it is his, his, new, his new brand. Yeah, mm. super exciting. Lifestyle. Yeah. Look out. Here we go. So. All right, guys, thanks for sticking out Super Bowl Sunday. uh, And thanks to all listeners for lasting this long with us as well. We'll see you back here next week. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most.